0: It's Tuesday, August 9th, 2022, and this is The People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast.
1: Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules.
2: rule. today Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by.
0: Yeah! Yeah, I'm up at Brooklyn, now down in Tribeca, right next to the narrow, but I'll be hood forever, I'm the new Sinatra, and since I made it here, I can make it anywhere, yeah they love me everywhere, I used to cop in Harlem, all of my Connors right there on Broadway, pull me back to that McDonald's, took it to my stash spot, 560 State Street, catch me in the kitchen like a Simmons with and pastry, cruising down A Street, all white This episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches t shirts, coffee cups, and all around barbecue related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STAKE15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear, they're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, Stay Ready USA. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear, hot, melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code steak for 5% off. Don't get ready.
3: Stay ready. The pillow king of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Always got great deals going down at MyPillow. Get out and support Mike Lindell. You get a promo code to take a check out. You're going to get big, big savings. Up to 66% off. Pillows six-piece sheet sets and towel sets. We've got a lot of stuff going on. In addition to that, the best part of waking up is Lindell in your cup. My coffee is now out there. And uh, when you enter promo code steak at checkout at my store, 25% off on that. Mypillow.com forward slash steak is the website for sleep-related items. Mystore.com forward slash steak is the website for coffee-related items. You can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, from New York, get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms, been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the trades and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook, Messenger, and via the telephone, 619 870 Steak for breakfast packs of blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Boom. Of the Zero Fuck stuff. Dumpbox. Box. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Show Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Stake the Podcast Breakfast or via the website at Podcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patreon Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, Frank Speech, and now via our verified account on True Social. Welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 159. I'm Roan. Noah's out of the office this week. He's, a uh, well, as Walmart employees, he's finally getting his forklift certification, so even though he's off the market, ladies watch out. Antoinette's just finishing up her move. She'll be, uh... Back on Friday, we've got a big show coming at you today, New York edition, a Steak for Breakfast podcast. We're going to have two great America First candidates in here, and we're going to be sitting down with Mr. Raheem Kassam. But before we do any of that, let's jump into a little bit of the news.
4: We have breaking news. This is a statement from former president Donald Trump. These are dark times for our nation, as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago, in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. Nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. After working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. It is prosecutorial misconduct, the weaponization of the justice system, and an attack by radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024, especially based on recent polls, and who will likewise do anything to stop Republicans and conservatives in the upcoming midterm elections. Such an assault could only take place in broken, third-world countries. Sadly, America has now become one of those countries, corrupt at a level not seen before. They even broke into my safe. What is the difference between this and Watergate, where operatives broke into the Democratic National Committee? Here, in reverse, Democrats broke into the home of the 45th president of the United States. The political persecution of President Donald J. Trump has been going on for years with the now fully debunked Russia, Russia, Russia scam. Impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, and so much more. It just never ends. It is political targeting at the highest level. Hillary Clinton was allowed to delete and acid wash 33,000 emails after they were subpoenaed by Congress. Absolutely nothing has happened to hold her accountable. She even took antique furniture and other items from the White House. I stood up to America's bureaucratic corruption. I restored power to the people and truly delivered for our country like we have never seen before. The establishment hated it. Now as they watch my endorsed candidates win big victories and see my dominance in all polls, they are trying to stop me and the Republican Party once more. The lawlessness, political persecution, and witch hunt must be exposed and stopped. I will continue to fight for the great American people." Now that statement, that breaking news statement, the first time I saw it was just when I read it right now. That's uh, from the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, um, a shocking statement to see. Um, obviously, that there's an ongoing uh, raid that's going on. We have uh, very little information uh, about it, other than the statement that he put out, that Mar-a-Lago is currently being raided by the FBI. Um, It's unclear what the investigation is for, but uh, nonetheless, uh, certainly is a surprising breaking news story tonight as we continue to watch this.
3: Hmm. The host of The Great Divide podcast, Alan Jacoby, is here today. He's guest hosting with me. Alan, welcome.
5: Hey, Rowan. Thanks for having me. New York edition. I love it.
3: And look at that. Even our our guest host is is from the great state, the Empire State. Um, Alan, great to have you. Uh, we're, we're seeing, well, we're living in unprecedented times. We say it all the time. It sounds kind of cliche, but when you see the events unfold that have happened over the past 12 to 16 hours, um, we've never seen anything like this before. It's like Watergate on steroids, um, complete weaponization of federal law enforcement agencies at the behest of the current president of the United States. Um, and, and what we saw go down at Mar-a-Lago yesterday is just something like we've never seen before. What did, what did, what did you think, uh, watching it you know, unfold on, on social media and, and via the television yesterday?
5: You know, I was actually in the middle of a live broadcast of my show when it broke with uh, James from We The People Radio. We were doing Monday Madness, and uh, I saw it, and I, I, I guess I felt I should have been surprised, but I, I part of me, most of me, was not surprised. It was something like this. I expected, I didn't expect it now. I expected this, uh, later on down the road, but it happened. And again, it's that political persecution of a weaponized DOJ and FBI. Um, the spin is radical, of course, Yes. but what's interesting is you have non-friendlies that are questioning it, questioning it. Like, It's great for the New York edition. We have the former disgraced New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, putting out tweets saying, Hey, what's going on here? You better have something because this is going to be viewed as a political tactic. If not, this needs to be explained immediately. What's going on? They brought, now I'm not an attorney, but they broke into the man's safe. He was in Jersey at the time, right at Bedminster when this happened. The White House claims they didn't know anything about it, which I find that very hard to believe when I'm sure the director of the FBI would absolutely know that the former president of the United States was getting a search warrant executed. It's a lot of questions with the search warrant and the federal judge and his connections possibly to serial pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. And Mm. There's a lot of moving parts here, Ron. There's a lot, but I'm not surprised because the goal is to indict the big bad orange man, Donald Trump whether they want to actually put handcuffs on him, which wouldn't surprise me at this point because the FBI weaponized FBI was at his residence rifling through his personal belongings, looking for nonsense. It's interesting times, Ron. It really
3: is. And and they'll get a lot of nonsense. You know, as as most people may have been surprised by this yesterday, um, our next audio clip is going to show that this was something that was telegraphed as um, just as recently as this Sunday when, um, the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, sat down for a one on one interview with Lester Holt. Let's hear it.
1: Don't fear or favor. We intend to hold everyone, anyone who was criminally responsible for the events surrounding January 6, for any attempt to interfere with the lawful transfer of power from one administration to another, accountable. That's what we do. We don't pay any attention to other uh, issues with respect to that so if donald trump were to become a candidate for president again that would not change your schedule or or how you move forward or don't move forward Uh -uh. say again that uh we will hold accountable anyone who is criminally responsible for attempting to interfere with the transfer legitimate lawful transfer of power from one administration to the next
3: that was this past sunday on uh (laughs) MSDNC, that exclusive interview with the uh, – The clown. Yeah, Lester Holt and the current attorney general.
5: They, they are making it obvious that they, this is an attempt to prevent Donald Trump from running – for running for president in 2024 because the left is absolutely terrified of what will be exposed, what will come next, the good thing of this whole scenario, I truly believe, is this is going to garner more support for the former president than take away
3: galvanizing a lot, a moment.
5: Yes, absolutely. I think I think a lot of moderates are going to say, "Hey, this isn't right," and make them look a little deeper and look at the bigger picture and realize what's happening. I mean, it's 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 truly amazing that. This has happened, but again, the FBI does not want to discuss in congressional hearings anything about the Hunter laptop or like said in his statement that Donald Trump gave about Donald Tr- uh, Hillary Clinton's emails. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, – when, when this happened and I was on – I was live on the air, my phone went off with a few people, but, but one of them was actually – Roger Stone out of the blue saying, oh, looks like Donald Trump is getting the Roger Stone treatment. And the reason I just thought of that was CNN got to Mar-a-Lago awfully fast, in my opinion, if I'm not mistaken, just like they did when they raided Roger Stone's house Correct. and arrested him. I found that quite interesting, but the yeah. White House had no idea about it.
3: Yeah, it was, Uh, well, we were we were able to confirm, even though there was reports of it online, that there was some reason to celebrate at the White House last night according to some staffers who leaked it to the media and you mentioned CNN we're gonna play a portion of their cold open right now let's hear how uh, the other side of the aisle celebrated this uh, raid
6: that the FBI executed a search warrant at former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach Florida obviously a very significant headline there we're gonna be getting much more information over the coming minutes uh, literally we have just found this out as we get more we're gonna bring it to you obviously an FBI and a search warrant uh, coming as part of the DOJ. Uh, and it comes on the same day that the January 6th select committee is now in possession of new text messages. Messages that we understand belong to conspiracy theorist and Trump supporter, Alex Jones.
5: <laughs> oh gosh. Here we go. The old, <laughs> and, uh, you mean when they said in open court, the intimate text that me- the intimate text messages between Alex Jones and Roger Stone. Uh, uh, two years worth of nonsense on Alex Jones's phone. Uh, this is, this is between that look, got you now the the search warrant. You know, here's a good question. Typically when a search warrant is executed, I don't know how federal search warrants go, but they have a, it's very specific to search warrants, whether they want electronic devices, whether they're looking for certain documents, it's typically listed on there because you have to list the address and Uh, all sorts of other pertinent information to make the search warrant legal. But I believe they provide, maybe not in every jurisdiction, I believe they provide the uh, person they're executing the search warrant on a copy of the search warrant. It's almost like a carbon copy. Now, if that's the case, I'm hoping that that becomes public and we actually see what's on the search warrant and if they executed it properly because, again – if they did one small thing wrong in this search, then, uh, you know, it means nothing. I think it means nothing anyway. I just mean, you know, uh, procedurally. It's. it's it's.
3: Yeah, I'm thinking a lot of this is for optics. I mean, obviously, they, they are going at some kind of angle, which is yet to be revealed. Uh, very tight lip so far from the DOJ, uh, the FBI and the White House uh, waiting for the White House press conference to kind of kick off today to see, I mean, if they even hold one, I think after a day like that, they probably will just skip it and put a cap on it early. Uh, Randy Maddow was talking to uh, the New Yorker editor, David wrote on his show yesterday and and was talking about what the possible angles that the justice department is using to uh, find legality um, to, you know, get a warrant from whatever judge they were able to uh, approach with this. Let's hear uh, his narrative on it and his take.
5: So you've had great sourcing inside the Justice Department uh, over the last few years. And I just wanted to ask um, if, if any of your reporting in, in recent months and recent weeks on this classified documents
7: investigation uh, suggested that it was leading towards some dramatic action like this, this FBI raid today. Um, is it your sense from your reporting that this
5: investigation is is very serious, that this action today is some indication about where the
6: investigation might be going?
8: So the the raid is a surprise uh, to me, but a, mm. a government investigator told me that they felt that the clearest case against Donald Trump uh, was this mishandling of documents. That it was 15 boxes, as Jackie Alamani explained earlier. That Trump was warned to not take these documents. If you remember, and ironically, this is the same you know type of investigation that Hillary Clinton faced. Was she you know intentionally mishandling classified information? And, you know, the sense I have is that the case against Trump for intentionally mishandling classified information is even stronger than the case against Hillary Clinton because he was told
3: to not take these records, but he took them to Florida. You know, this is like the same kind of rhetoric we heard throughout the course of both impeachments and and the Russiagate investigation. You know, this was the end of all ends for Donald Trump, and we were going to, you know, end— his political life because of things that he was doing wrong or or things that were highly illegal that he made up. You know, I touched base with a lot of people within Trump world yesterday. I'm not going to divulge everyone. kind of was doing wellness checks across text messages for a lot of the guests who appear on the show who we've become friends with. And, uh, you know, two of the ones I will talk about, though, uh, you know, right when it was breaking, I wanted to make sure that, because, you know, sometimes there's layers to these operations that it wasn't going across the board and in other places, so I talked to Christina Bob, and, uh, you know, the only quote I'll give you from her is that she said yesterday was fucking insane, which is yeah. way outside of character for her because she usually doesn't curse. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I just wanted to make sure that, you know, she wasn't getting arrested either. A couple other people, you know, we'll get into that a little bit, but uh, I, I did see some some interesting things. You know, Alan, we've talked about this. It was It was a portion of our cold open last week, so, you know, so Steve Bannon was back on Fox News yesterday, which I think was really weird. Um, Steve Bannon
5: on Fox. Yeah, well, I don't watch Fox, and I don't really watch much of Bannon. But uh, so, what happened there?
3: Well, apparently they wanted a take from him, so they they reached out and called him. I, I just thought it was kind of wow. you know odd for the network that doesn't really enjoy Donald Trump, and right. uh, you know was. Going down the road with the January 6th committee that Steve Bannon was a large portion of the, you know, ground game that directed it a day of, even though we know that's 100 percent false. Right. Uh, Well, CPAC last week and then then Fox News yesterday. Um, Let's hear the big guy from the larger apparatus weigh in on, uh, you know, just what he thought was going on in real time has experienced the weaponization of
8: the justice system firsthand. He's the former White House chief strategist. He has been targeted relentlessly by the January 6th committee. He joins us now by phone to react to news of the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. Steve, um, happy to have you on the program. Are you? Have you by phone here tonight. What's your immediate reaction?
9: Well,
1: well, you know, I gave this speech, a keynote address at the Kettleman's Vault CPAC on Friday night. I said, we're at war. We're at a political and ideological war. And they've obviously weaponized the, the Justice Department. Uh, and this had to be approved by Ron Klein. This had to go up to the White House to be approved. That's, absolutely. That's true. Anybody saying it didn't is, is a liar. This had to go up to of command through Merrick Garland, to Ryan Klein, at least. Christopher Ray. And, and, and Ray and these guys. But look, here's yes. the thing this is about pure Trump power politics. They're absolutely scared to death about Trump. It can't be Mark Elias, the guy who laid out the entire effort to steal. The twenty twenty election remember the transition integrity project. He's tweeting right now all the US codes about documents and they have, you know, make sure you can't run for federal office again. They're absolutely petrified Trump's gonna announce the next couple of weeks, win the Republican nomination, win the White House. Now, here's what's incumbent upon everybody. The House leaders right now need to step up and recommit Jim Jordan. Full investigation, I think cutting off appropriations to the FBI to get to the bottom of this. Okay, this this is this is gonna continue on. The FBI right now is the Gestapo. The FBI is the Gestapo, whether it's out in Colorado putting a gold star mother like Tina Peters in in, in chains, Mm -hmm. Peter Navarro in chains. It's absolutely obscene. This is an obscenity. And we're going to have to fight fire with fire. The way to do it is win elections, win them overwhelmingly. And then use the appropriations process to choke down the FBI and choke down the Justice Department and get to the bottom of who approved this. This is this is so outrageous. Amongst a lot of other other things. the Yeah.
8: I want to ask you this question, Steve, yeah. um, you know, I'm familiar with, um, I'm familiar with your point of view. I'm familiar with the opinions you share on War Room. I'm uh, familiar with how deep you fear the corruption has run within the United States of America. I'm curious. I said this earlier in the program, believing elections can change the the place in which we sit today the United States of America is a very optimistic point of view because this corruption if it is partisan corruption isn't relegated to the fbi we saw 87,000 new irs agents have been hired you can look at almost any federal institution including the intelligence community who dismissed hunter biden's laptop as disinformation and you can say to yourself this isn't
1: one apparatus this is not
8: one department this is not one election our problem is deeper
1: well you're 100 percent correct this is not about corruption. corruption this is about the administrative state this is about an undemocratic apparatus Bigger than the RC. This is the administrative <laughs> state, it this segment. And they want to run things their own way. <laughs> and they want to pick and choose who actually runs and who actually wins. This is why it's incumbent upon look, we have two-thirds of the nations in back of us. Hispanics, African Americans, Asian Americans. It's now time to take control of the House of Representatives with an overwhelming victory and then act like we mean right. them. the Jim Jordans and people have to step up, and Kevin McCarthy have to step up and say we're going to the choke them down in corporations. Listen. We. I got officers.
9: it, Steve. This is a non- I got
3: it, and they would they would proceed to cut him off a little bit there at the end because they were running up against a hard break. I, I, I talked with Cash yesterday. You know, as staying in this thread, the administrative state appropriating down a lot of the uh, federal agencies and then getting to the bottom, congressionally, of of just what's going on in the bigger picture, not just this thing. Yeah. So I guess they're planning a. Uh, well, Cash's exact words were. Sumo suplex is coming. And he resent me a Breitbart op ed where portions of an interview with him were were put out at the end of May. And it's entitled Documents at Mar-a-Lago Classified were already declassified. And if they're gonna use this as kind of a misobservation that they went on the premise of of getting this to to find out if well, maybe there was some classified within you know the parameters of all these unclassified ones, then that's just straight garbage, and, and like we said, a completely political ploy in regards to what happened yesterday. Fishing so,
5: expedition.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm really getting excited. To, you know, Donald Trump has not given an, an official statement other than his "Save America" text one that we let yes. our show in today. And uh, Cash is yet to to go on any of the major news networks yet, but I'm excited to see. And if we get it today, we'll we'll throw it directly in. If not, we'll we'll. Add it to our Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast this week. But uh, he and Devin Nunes will be here for a Together segment on the 23rd of August. So it should be a good one. Um, Speaking of good ones, Eric Trump jumped on one of the Fox News shows yesterday, last night, and and was talking about exactly what was going on here. And uh, let's hear him weigh in on what was going down at, uh, well, his dad's pad. Eric, uh, you were with your dad as this was unfolding?
6: I oh, was, well, Sean. In fact, I was the guy that got the call this morning, and I called my father to let him know that it happened. So I was involved in this all day. And, you know, welcome to politics in, you know, in the, in the you know 2000s. Um, Sean, my father never got so much as a speeding ticket in his life, you know, until he made one decision, and that's to go down the escalators of Mar-a-Lago and spend a lot of money and go and actually fight for this country for the first time. And he did a better job than anybody has ever done. And they started coming after him. The Washington Post, the day he won, 2016, the day he won, November 8th, that night they wrote an article this is when impeachment begins he wasn't president he hadn't been elected for less you know for five minutes at that point point. Yep. and they start this is it's when amazing. impeachment begins and then he's impeached the first time and then he was impeached the second time and they slandered him and they belittled him you know they went after him they went after all of us there's no family in american history that has taken more arrows in the back than the Trump family every single time. And you know what? It's gone on past politics. You look at the attorney generals, you look at district attorneys all over the country. All they want to do is they want to get Donald Trump. They raise money on it. They send fundraising emails about it. They brag on camera about it. They go after him. They subpoena him. I'm probably the most subpoenaed person in the history of the United States. Every single day we get another subpoena. Mm -hmm. And they do it for one reason. Because they don't want Donald Trump to run and win again in 2024, and Sean, that's what this is about today—to have 30 FBI agents, actually more than that, descend on Mar-a-Lago, give absolutely, you know, no notice, go through the gates, start ransacking an office, ransacking a closet. You know, they broke into a safe. He didn't even have anything in the safe. I mean, give me a break. And, and this is coming from what the National Archives? Yet, you know, Hunter Biden, he's a firearms crimes, uh, prostitution, illegal drugs, um, you know, shady deals with everybody around the world. And by the way, it's all on his laptop for the whole world to see in his own writing, in his own words, corroborated by everybody. Where, where are these FBI agents? Where where is everybody? Why is it that the arrows only fly at Donald Trump and his family? Why is it that the political persecution only
3: goes one way in this country? Thanks mm, on point. It really is. I mean, I know it's uh, common for investigations, congressional inquiries, and things like that to skew one way when it's a unilateral party of control. Uh, but this is this is KGB-like.
5: This is uncommon because it is a former president. You know, it wasn't uncommon for the FBI to show up at Rudy Giuliani's apartment at 6 a.m. in Manhattan and take all of his electronic devices. All right. All right. Being the former mayor and and, and uh, former president's attorney. All right. Big deal. We're talking about the former the most recent former president of the United States. They showed up like the Gestapo. And I really like to know another question is I'm imagining knowing that they're going to the former president's home. That. Who I'd like to know who the highest-ranking FBI agent was there. Like, was there a, a a director of the Florida field office? Florida field office, and and how much notification did the director of the FBI have? Because I find it interesting, also. Did Donald Trump find out about this the same time the Secret Service did? Apparently, supposedly the night before when the FBI notified the Secret Service or because it seems like in his statement that is just unannounced that they showed up and he was notified. So did his own the Secret Service not obligated to tell one of the people that they're protecting for life, saying, hey, the FBI is coming to execute a search warrant tomorrow in Mar-a-Lago. Excellent. Another question I have.
3: And, and ones that we will hope to be getting over the course of the next few days as this starts to get really unpacked. Part of Donald Trump's yeah. legal team, and it is a small one, you know, you got Bobby Janelle, um, you got Harmeet Dillon, Christina Bob, that kind of makes up the entirety of of the core of his legal team. Harmeet was on right. uh, Fox News last night as well. And uh, Hate to be them today. Or maybe happy to be them. Let's hear it. <laughs> People of this passage from a
4: New York Times piece last spring as recently as late last year, Mr. Biden confided to his inner circle that he believed former President Trump was a threat to democracy, should be prosecuted. And while the president has never communicated his frustrations directly to Mr. Garland, he has said privately that he wanted Garland to act a lot less less like a ponderous judge and more like a prosecutor. OK, so The New York Times publishes that, mate. But we're all supposed to believe that there's an impenetrable wall between the DOJ acting as an independent force for good in law enforcement and Ron Klain and, you know, every other senior figure, Samantha Powers, and in the White House, really?
7: Well, Laura, you know, one point I want to make about this, you're absolutely correct, is that this deep state is a bipartisan deep state. And a lot of these characters here have good Republican credentials, if you want to call it that. I mean, uh, Christopher Ray clerked for Judge Michael Ludig on the Fourth Circuit, who is one of the most, uh, you know, deranged of the TDS critics out there today, uh, lending his so-called veracity to criticism of President Trump. And Comey and so many of these other guys, Mueller, you know, registered Republicans or or so-called conservatives, at least at some point in their uh, careers and their tenures. And so, you know, I think we all have to be very aware, if you you still have respect for the DOJ and the FBI at this point, particularly the FBI, you are not paying attention. Certainly as a a longtime lawyer, the scales have fallen from my eyes. And what the abuses that I've seen in my career— uh, it is very hard for me to take anything that these people are taking seriously. And citizens who are about to be unleashed at the opposite end of 87,000 uh, agents and then prosecutions from IRS, we should all be aware that this is abuse. It is systematic and it is coming for the average American citizen. If they can do this to the former president, they will do it to supporters of the president, which is half of the United States.
5: It's more than half. Yeah, And, and he- they're doing it to the average American conservative. They're not going to be doing anything to liberals out there
3: there's more rolling down the hill you know we're we're planning on having a uh, Michigan edition of Steak for Breakfast next week we're going to be having uh, I think Matt DiPerno uh, Kristen Caramo and uh, Tudor Dixon in here same show heard yesterday that this raid won't be the last and you've heard it here first not on War Room anywhere on Fox News Jack Posobiec and his Homelander face isn't going (laughs) to tell you this one first I'm going to out of the three aforementioned people. You can use reasonable deduction to figure out which one it is for their collaborative works on a portion of the stop the steel movement. Uh, there's, there's rumor in here say that a similar raid will be going down in the next seven to 10 days on one of those Michigan nominees. So political affiliation party or status as a legitimate candidate now mean nothing. Um, You know, we all saw Kevin McCarthy uh, weigh in with his absolutely paper tiger statement yesterday. I'm I'm reading now. I've seen enough. The Department of Justice has reached an intolerable state of weaponized polarization. when Republicans take back the House. We will conduct immediate oversight of this department. Follow the facts. Leave no stone unturned. Attorney General Garland, preserve your documents. Clear your calendar. I heard that. I've quoted it on truth and Twitter, you know, stop being a puss boy. Yep. That statement should have read when we retake power in November, we will be immediately issuing articles of impeachment for Merrick Garland amongst others. Right. That's how the pushback happens.
5: And I think they're all just dancing around it. The Republicans, they all have to say something because people are watching. And I, I said it you know, pay attention to every elected Republican. We have to know who the backstabbers are. So they're all coming out, like you said, just being those little paper tigers like Lady G, Lindsey Graham, Trump raid, a dangerous moment for the American Constitution. Shut up, Lindsey. What are you doing? What are you doing, Lady G? What are you doing, Kevin McCarthy? Hmm.
3: Ron DeSantis put out a statement also that he uh, was completely against the events that went down yesterday and, uh, his offices knew nothing about it the the reality of that is yet to be seen uh we'll we'll see how that develops i i am in the believe Ron DeSantis well, portion of it right now
5: yeah that's that's another thing too now the, the 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 federal bureau of investigation is executing a search warrant on mar-a-lago did they notify the local law enforcement in that jurisdiction that they were doing that hmm. that's another question
3: it sure is our last audio oh, clip questions. of this uh Cold open slash news one segment. Dan Bongino, who I'm not a huge appreciator of. I like the idea of him. I really don't like his politics or or follow him. I think anyone who's that far into the mainstream, like they have people who tell them what they can and can't say. And even though he's supposedly the most air quoting unfiltered of them all, it's like yeah, I don't think all you have to do is go down to the to the reels out here in the podcast community to find out what what an actual narrative sounds like. But you know, you could tell because of his relationship with the 45th president of the United States that. There, there was some uh, legitimacy behind this. So let's hear him weigh in and, and uh, hear what he had to say. Dan Bongino, the host of Unfiltered
8: on Saturday nights. Dan, your quick emotional reaction. I think everyone's a little emotional here uh, about this raid.
2: Yeah, I mean, you think this is some third world bullshit right here. Let me say it again. Third world bullshit. I mean, every word of that. I don't care that it's cable news. I was a federal agent. I raised my right hand and I swore to protect and defend the constitution of the United States. And I love this country. This is a freaking disgrace, a disgrace. We don't live in Cuba. We don't live under Kim Jong Un. We live in a constitutional republic, a representative democracy. You have a bunch of FBI agents raiding the home of a former president because they don't like his politics are you kidding me? You've spent this whole show, Jesse, and I've spent my entire time either on Fox or on my podcast, exposing the left for claiming Russia interfered in the election as Hillary Clinton played, paid off a bunch of foreign agents, her team, literally to fabricate a story that occupied the nation for four years. What's she doing right now? Getting a manicure in freaking Chappaqua. She's not doing squat. Nothing. Hunter Biden is having sex on tape while doing crack, while doing crack. And what is he doing? He's living in a Malibu mansion.
3: 20 million a month. And
2: yet the president, the former president, who whether you agree with him or not on his claims about the election, whether you agree or not, we still live in a country where you are allowed to challenge an election. There's even a process. The ECA, the Electoral Count Act. You may not like it. But it's a process. How do I know it's a process? Because some people are trying to reform it. You may not like it, but now you send the FBI. Let me tell you something. I have been I have paid due deference to the FBI for a long time. And a lot of listeners didn't like it because I work with some very good people over there who have since retired. The management of the FBI has now shredded any single shred sliver of credibility this agency had left. Nobody will take them seriously from this point on. It is over. You've heard the examples. Stone, Manafort, Cohen, over and over. Are they good guys? Are they bad guys? I don't know. I don't care. I don't know them. All I'm telling you is you cannot tell me we still live in a constitutional republic and not the freaking third world when you have Hillary Clinton paying foreign agents to interfere with an election. People lying on the road repeatedly. Hunter Biden doing crack on tape. And what happens? Where are the federal agents? They're not in Malibu. They're not in Chappaqua. They're in Mar-a-Lago. This is some third world garbage that happened tonight. And I'm telling you, the FBI management. Here's a solution. Last thing. We have now got to win in 2022. You have no choice now, folks. Oh, we don't like the swampy Republicans. I don't like them either. Republicans may not be the solution to your problems, but Democrats are certainly the cause of all your problems right now. If there was ever a clarion call to remove your ass from the seat and go vote in 2022, this is it. Mm.
3: Agreed. It's like one of the first times I agree with one of his uh, rants in a while (laughs) across the board, but the fact of the matter is he's right. And uh, hopefully this will be a galvanizing moment. Remember, you've seen a lot of drive-by headlines over the last, now it'll be 24 hours by the time this show airs this afternoon on Tuesday. Uh, Must run now, must declare now, uh, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Listen, you've heard it here first. I'm going to repeat it. Other people directly connected to Trump world, some who are already Republican nominees for positions within our government in the general election who have already won their primary, will receive swats like Mar-a-Lago did yesterday. That's an unequivocal fact, and you will see it over the course of the next few months, if not in the next few days. This is not over. It's just beginning. Uh, What starts with yesterday will evolve into, remember what I said, possible indictments. They were going to use that term until it's no longer applicable. It won't be applicable after the midterm elections. But they will hang that over all of our heads, just like impeachment volume one, impeachment volume two, Russiagate. This is the end of Donald Trump. Pack it in, lads. We've been defeated. And they will use this because they have nothing else. They just approved in the last 10 days $2 trillion in wasteful spending. Taxes across the country are going to go up in some areas of your life as much as 30%. 87,000 IRS agents are going to be trained in the next 18 months to go through every single facet of your life. So you can't focus on politics because they want to know where the receipts are from the gas that you used for your small business, for the equipment you bought for your kids to play sports for the business meeting, or are you lying? Who knows? Listen, we do know it's going to be bad. And, uh, you know, moving forward, We're going to keep an eye on it. We'll have probably a little bit clearer picture on this show by our Friday edition. Good news for us, though, in the next few weeks, Christina Bob will be here on Tuesday, hopefully, depending on what's going on. (laughs) And we'll get a little bit more of uh, some insight into what, uh, you know, yesterday looked like from someone who was on the ground for our listenership. Something that we could bring you here at Steak for Breakfast and you won't get anywhere else. And like I said, on August 23rd, by the time we do have a clearer picture of what's going on, and maybe other people who have been ensnared in this, we'll have Devin Nunez and Cash Patel, same segment. Going to try, try and con them into an hour for you guys. But, uh, you know, as we're getting ready to wrap here, we're going to get a really good narrative and some additional context from one of our great guests. He's the editor-in-chief of the National Pulse. He writes an above-average substack. He's an author, journalist, political analyst, worked on Brexit, all things... That we love here. Back on the show, Mr. Raheem Kassam, thanks for joining us today.
10: Above average. I mean, uh,
3: you're being very kind. No, you have one of the uh, best substacks out there. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. I I look for writing tips in some of your writing styles that I've used in some of mine as well. And uh, I like the way it's like listening to you talk when you read your substacks. It kind of goes in the same way with uh, some of your books. I I think it's a very unique writing style, and it's probably why you've had a lot of
10: success doing it. Sir, how are you? I'm okay. I mean, I'm better now that the news cycle is a little bit more interesting. But I'm <laughs> sad. I'm sad that it it is the way it is. Um, I'm sad that the news cycle is is revolve has to revolve around what it's revolving around right now. But you know, this is where we live. This is this is where we do. The best of our work. This is what we care about the most. Um, I really loathe when the news cycle is slow and boring and and process driven, um, and 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 this is the sort of stuff that gets me up early in the morning and keeps me awake late at night in the best ways. Yeah,
3: I mean, for people that are working it like us, and 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 obviously in the larger context, yourself. Uh, it, it's it's good to, uh, you know, brew an extra pot of coffee because you're, you're going to be up for a while trying to catch up with all this stuff. Now, I want to take two things that kind of go together and, and spin them into what's been going down over the last 24 hours. Obviously, we saw the uh, raid go down at Mar-a-Lago yesterday. Uh, you know, mm. the, the Biden regime, the DOJ, the FBI, all weaponized in, in continuing their, you know, attempted persecution of the 45th president of the United States. In addition to that... You were the first legitimate news source to label the Biden administration as a regime. And now we are starting to see the fruits of those accusations to be not only were you ahead of the news curve, but they're overabundantly true. Um, based on what you saw yesterday and now as the story continues to develop today, which is Tuesday, how do you feel watching that? And, and, and how big of a concern, red flag and what kind of narrative do you want to give on, on just what you see unfolding?
10: yeah, and we even found the clip back from january um of of me making the case that we we should never have normalized this. And a lot of people out there, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm so sick of having to deal with the critics in the in the replies on Twitter. And I know that getting replies on Twitter necessarily boosts your engagement. but I'm so I'm so beyond caring about that now that if you have a critique for me, Please do not share it with me. I don't care. I don't want to. I don't want I don't want to hear you know some whiny anonymous bot on Twitter saying, "Oh, you weren't the only one saying it back then." Yeah, that would be particularly weird if I was the only one in the world saying it back then. That's not the case. I'm making. I'm making the case that we got up there as a major show with a major reach, and not an anonymous Twitter channel, and said the things that everybody else was too afraid to say, which is that we should never normalized um, this regime. It's not a government. It's not an administration. It never had plans to act like that. And we knew that from the very second um, that the election results started to come in. We knew it from the second they they put a, a, uh, you know, long gunned armed response in their tens of thousands outside the capital, fencing it off. First time that's ever happened in America's history without a foreign invasion occurring at the same time. Um, we knew it when uh, the uh, president did not have a real inauguration. He had a small, you know, um, let's call it a family ceremony, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and 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 I just at those at that point in time, anybody who is worth their weight in the books that they have read in their lives history books and so forth knows what we're seeing play out in real time. And that is a, that is, that is the real coup. Um, That is the real insurrection. Uh, I, I am now seeing lots of people out there, Pedro Gonzalez, I saw earlier today saying, look, you know, it's all well and good for people to call themselves patriots but at this point, what are you patriotic about? What are you patriotic for? You're, you feel that feeling about a country that doesn't exist anymore. You feel that feeling about a a raft of institutions that don't exist anymore. You feel that way about a flag that has been bastardized and used uh, in your name and with your money to represent things that you do not believe in. Um, and yes, you can make the case that you want to take those things back. Um, but in order to do so, uh, you, you, you can't you can't just simply hearken back to a gentler and easier and more bipartisan time in this country. Those days are over. They're over. They're probably not coming back in your lifetime no. And the thing you need to set your mind to is not how you get back there. That'll be for your kids and your and your and your grandkids and your great grandkids. What you have to set your mind to is how you take down these institutions how do you best undermine uh you know a corrupt and crooked doj how do you get to the bottom of what the fbi is really doing how do you get the nitty-gritty on on you know the national institutes for health and and you know they're, they're all the things that we do on a daily basis you know i don't wake up and think to myself "Hmm, wouldn't it be really cool today if we got some sort of bipartisan measure passed to do this that and the other it's not happening forget about it, it just 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 get your minds over that um so as I as I look at the last 24 hours, I think to, uh, firstly no surprise at all, and I think I think a lot of people, Michael Anton, uh, I know some of your frequent guests, um, uh, Paige Willie, uh, and and others look at look at all of this and go, well, yeah, t'was ever thus. Like, this was this was obviously going to be the case, and we're all next. <laughs> you know, they're not going to stop at Donald Trump, and they're not going to stop at Mar-a-Lago. I wouldn't surprise me one bit if while we're recording an interview one day, today, there is a loud banging on the door, you know, and and and, and all these devices are see- in front of us are seized, um, because that's where we are right now. And um, I also just don't have much hope in the you know let's let's imagine because at this point you do have to kind of use your imagination to get there if you're following the if you're following the numbers but let's imagine that the republicans do hold a healthy majority in the house uh, after january do you see any of these people taking the steps necessary to do not just to the other side what they've done to us but to actually uncover all the wrongdoing in the first instance get get that out the way first just to take the just to take the wizard out from behind the curtain, they don't have the cojones to do it. Um, so it's a particularly sort of, you know, quote unquote, black-pilled period of time, I think. And I think Donald Trump's statement on the uh, on the raid of Mar-a-Lago reflects that. Um, but it's also probably the last roll of the dice this coming November to actually see if your vote counts and delivers anything. And then after that, by the way, the most important part is Uh, Almost more important than than, than being in person to protest a Democrat regime uh, in Congress is to march yourself to your congressman's office, whether it's the local office or the uh, D.C. office, and whether it's on your own or whether you have rallies or anything like that, is to actually level protests at Republicans until you get them doing what you want them doing.
3: I mean, you kind of lay it out pretty magnificently there. Just, it's a lot to process. It's so tied into other things, things that we're coming in off the weekend on. I mean, we saw last week, we know, and we talked about it on this show with a lot of different people. You know, we have a lot of former Trump administration officials on there, and I'm going to get to that when I talk to you about specifically the midterms, because I do want some of your takes. I I see how you're kind of formulating that narrative, and I like it, but I want to ask like a a 1A question to it, but staying here, obviously, the midterms that happened last week, huge victories across the board, but we're seeing a lot of places that people would go off of before this round of primaries, especially, and saying, like, these pollsters are the ones that got it right in 2016, and these ones have always been, like, you know, most dialed in, and then you see races in Missouri, a lot of races in Arizona including Carrie Lakes to where you know they're putting her at plus 11 plus 14 going into the day of vote and if 70% of the vote doesn't come out and and, and you know break the system like they kind of did in Virginia and in already a couple other places across the country um you know Carrie Lake she had a victory she obviously was going to win that race but it wasn't as easy as we thought and and, and I think we get a little bit complacent when we see you know we went to the Trump rally uh in late July there for Kerry and Blake and all the other candidates running there, and, and the vibe was good. It's like we drove six hours across Arizona to get to Prescott, and you, we probably saw one or two Karen signs. The entire rest of the freeways were just draped Masters, Lake, Fincham, Hamaday, uh, even Eli Crane, who was a late endorsement by President Trump. He had a whole bunch of stuff on the sides of the road, and and it it just didn't seem like the game day vote matched, and if we don't come out in numbers – or higher on day of election because of all the stuff that's gone on in the last couple of years, especially with the 2020 presidential, we're not going to have it easy as run as possible. So as we get into this narrative right now, talking about the midterms, I want to know what you think about some of these candidates, you know, you talk about the strength or maybe the spine to stand up to some of the K street, the McCarthy's and and others who were in there and, and, and who are power backed with inside the house you do have a lot of people who are running for office right now who are former administration officials. You have John Gibbs, Max Miller, you know, he's been on the show a couple of times and, uh, he worked with, with, with Trump for a number of years when, when he was the president, that guy's got an enormous chip on his shoulder. And he's, I think he's going to be a bulldog when he gets in there, if he could win in November. And, mm. uh, you know, and, 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 people like that, that, that are going to, Joe Kent, you know, I, I know you have a great relationship with him. We do as well. And, uh, you know, I talk to Joe Kent weekly in addition to all the times he's on this show and, uh, you know, I've been texting with them a little bit more, and it's just like that is so against the grain. Do you mm-hmm. think some of the people who are long-standing there, who who we can appreciate in some context, the Jordans, the Banks, obviously the whole Freedom Caucus, Marjorie and uh, Matt Gates, Boebert and them, Gosar, are, are, is that enough to finally push back against these people and and kind of lay it out behind closed doors? Because there's going to be some knockdown, drag-out fights once uh, this election is over. And uh, we still don't have the chessboard completely set up of what forecastable numbers could be because of New York, Connecticut, um, obviously Wisconsin today, and a couple other places. But do you think it's enough of a red wave within the red wave that could potentially come to change at least the way the party does stuff? I mean, Kevin McCarthy's statement yesterday, I went down at Mar-a-Lago, made my stomach hurt. You know, save the date and save your paperwork. Who gives a shit? How about once we take back the party and power in the house we're filing articles of jail yeah your, articles of impeachment on day one and we might be warming up a cell for you i'm exactly in the same thread as you i mean this is, this is exactly what we do why not make that threat that doesn't help galvanize the party that doesn't motivate people to go out and vote oh save the date we're going to be setting up a congressional investigation who gives a shit nobody cares about that
10: yeah yeah, and 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 you know none of these um, real firebrands are necessarily going to have um, uh, committee assignments that give them subpoena power anyway. So you will end up with. With Kevin McCarthy approved subpoenas, which is to say, oh, you know, let's find out what Merrick Garland had for lunch last week. Let's find out what, you know, Nancy Pelosi. We won't look into her finances or her stocks or her insider trading. We'll we'll look into um, you know, maybe she had a hundred dollars spent on her campaign when it's sh- through her private office, when it should have come through this other pack or whatever. You know, it'll be stupid things like that. And it'll be wrap on the knuckles stuff rather than full full-fledged, full-bore, you know, uh, dismantling of the regime, of Mm -hmm. the administrative state. And, you know, even look at some of the things Trump's saying, um, and I realize it's probably an an imprecise time to offer Trump critiques right now, but but to hell with it. Got to do it. Um, I listened to the speech, and it was the same speech at CPAC that he gave in Wisconsin, that he gave in... um, Sass. Was it Dallas or somewhere else? And And... I listen to, you know, it's a, a lot of it is the same. A lot of it is the talking points. A lot of it is the, the, the bombast that we all love, right? And then when you start getting onto policy, he's saying things like, well, we're going to take the homeless out of cities and we're going to put them in tent cities outside of the cities. Sorry, what are you going to do? You're going to round up? The homeless and put them in tent cities in the suburbs of America? I mean, who is telling him this is a good idea? Who's telling him that is a vote widow? Who is telling him that it even makes reasonable, workable sense? And by the way, for those saying, like, oh, you know, he's just flown an idea, let me hear it out. Hear this out, okay? There are plenty of Russian-owned and Chinese-owned empty buildings all across major cities in America. How about requisition those back and put the, those people put the homeless people in there instead of moving them out to the suburbs, right? And, and it's just, it's, it, these things are so obvious to me, but you know, obviously he's had one of his developer buddies come to him and tell him, Hey, you know, the homeless problem is really affecting my prices and the rents and all that. we got to get him out of the cities. Look, Trump needs a a fully fledged MAGA think tank around him, and he just doesn't have that. So every so often, some stupid person with their own with their own interest, you know, gets in his ear and, and tells him he should be doing something that, that inevitably works out badly for him. I and mean, this has happened with the endorsements. This is every time that McCarthy is on the rocks or in trouble, he bails him out. He's bailed Mitch McConnell out in the past. And I'm not saying that the party needs to move on from Trump. It's very clear over the last couple of weeks that that, that it, it is Trump's party, yeah. right? But but as we get to more critical and crucial periods in time, like hey, how about this Mar-a-Lago being raided by the FBI? Then I w- I really want to be able to look Trump in the face and say, are you glad you have Kevin McCarthy on your side at this point in time? Like has this worked out well for you? Did the this- You know, did the statement he put out really, you know, give you the sense that he has your back? Did Mehmet Oz's statement feel like he has your back? Did the people who went up on Capitol Hill today uh, and and to the White House to support this regime and its CHIPS Act, there's more of them doing more for the Biden, um, um, you know, Whatever you call it, the, the 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 list of things that he wants to get through by the time before the time he's a lame duck, then there are Republicans on Capitol Hill fighting for Trump, and I just want to like shake him by the lapels and say, is this what you want? This is this is where you operate best, where you're always having to watch your back. I, I just don't I don't see that this is a, this is a wise um, way of operating. But back to the back to the broader point here, I think um, Joe can. Uh, Anthony Sabatini, yes. all of these people are going to face um, not just opposition money here. They're going to face money from their own side. In fact, we have an article up on the National Pulse today, um, later on, Tuesday, August 9th. So if you're listening to this afterwards, um, you know it'll be up uh, by Jeremy Carl, who makes exactly this point. He says, look, um, Joe Kent, remember, was not just opposed by Jamie Herrera Butler he was opposed by that Heidi St John and the money that flowed from republicans republicans who were trying to stop joe kent uh, qualifying in washington's you know bizarre primary that sabatini will have exactly the same thing so Yes, he just about gets over the line for the primary, right? I mean, we're talking we're talking point something percent here, and a couple of hundred votes. Um, how does that How does that bear out for the actual election? It doesn't it? Doesn't bode well? And when you look across a lot of the Trump endorsements, a lot of them have massive, massive hills to climb. Now, why is that? Um, You know, because when you're Carrie Lake and you are bombastic and loud and popular and saying all the right things and good looking and great team and great ads and been on TV, celebrity, popular, personable. I mean, you should be storming store. There shouldn't even be a question on primary day whether you're going to get the nomination. But there was and while we can look across Arizona and say, well, okay, so she, but she won every county. But it's still, we weren't sure going into election day that that was going to be the case. Nobody Correct. was sure on election day that that was going to be the case. You can't be going into elections where the opposite side is running record inflation, where there isn't baby formula on the shelves, where there aren't cars in the lots for people to buy if they have the money to buy them. And by the way, nobody has the money to buy them. You can't be, ha- you can't be in opposition during such dire times times and not make any headway. This is like the Labour Party in Britain, Sakir Starmer. You have a Boris Johnson, outgoing government that is wildly unpopular, racked with corruption. You have two candidates, Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak, who mean nothing to nobody at all. And the Labour Party still can't make any headway. And here's why, to take it full circle. Kevin McCarthy and that milquetoast state. Kevin McCarthy in that milquetoast statement, right? And because because what that does is that trickles down through the party, and people take their line, and they take their tone, and they take their um, you know the the the, the mise en scène of Washington D.C. from that. He's the bloody leader of the party, and so they would necessarily take his lead. It's, it's too tepid for people. They're bored of this rhetoric. They don't want to hear, let's wait and see, as I heard somebody else said today. Let's wait and see if how this shakes out. How about we don't wait and see? How about we make it very clear in this moment, right here, right now, that if you intend to raid the homes of political opposition candidates, then every single thing, every single thing will be done to put your asses in jail. How about that? Yeah. I mean, you nailed it on the head. You said
3: during your commentary, you wouldn't be surprised if you heard a knocking on the door, maybe not even a knocking, more of like a ramming. We know for sure at least one more already Republican nominee running in a race in the United States. I was told yesterday personally, there's a judge sitting on an order to do the exact same thing to them for their participation in Stop the Steal Uh, Mm -hmm. on the legal end of it. And it, it's coming. It, it's the political opponent on the Democrat side was the lead on it. Mm. But now because they're both nominees, they've passed it on to a lower court federal judge who has been sitting on it for three months and is waiting for an opportune moment to do another Mar-a-Lago type thing to another Trump endorsed already nominee running for Uh, You know, a position in the government in the midterm elections this November like that is confirmed. We will see at least one more. There's going to be probably more. I mean, you already have you just want to talk about numbers across the state. And we all know J.R. Majewski was there. Mark Fincham was there, um, you -hmm. know, on January 6th. Uh, Doug Mastriano, uh, you know, coordinated the whole Pennsylvania operation in regards to that, whether, you know, it turned out to be successful or not. He is now the Republican nominee for governor there. And, uh, you know, I, I think yesterday was not only unprecedented, illegal, unconstitutional, and all those other things. Uh, you had a great article come out this morning. I was just skimming through it before we jumped into the show about no surprise. You want to, you want to tell our listenership about the judge that uh, signed off on this uh, operation that happened yesterday?
10: Yeah, I mean, you know, from, from the moment it happened, uh, Josh Hammer over at Newsweek sent me a text. He said, hey, do you want to do an article on this? I said, well, actually, I would like to wait and see um, what the warrant is and who the judge is. And it will only take sort of half a day for that information to come out because everybody wants that information. You know, left-wing reporters, right-wing reporters, everybody wants that information. And sure enough, um, this morning, uh, to use one of my favourite turns of phrase, Politico uh, fingered Judge Bruce Reinhardt, mm-hmm. and the way they did it was very simple. They looked at who the judges in West Palm Beach were that had jurisdiction that here, and they looked at the uh, court records to see who had recently signed uh, uh, warrants. And it was it was Judge Bruce Reinhardt, and I've not heard anybody deny so far that it's uh, Bruce Reinhardt who's this. Uh, who's this guy, and the other two are William Matthewman and Ryan McCabe. So first thing this morning, I sent to Natalie this, this Politico thing. I said, let's let's go through Judge Reinhardt's background. And within five minutes, she goes, um, you might want to look at this. Turns out this was uh, Jeffrey Epstein's lawyer, or at least alleged to be Jeffrey Epstein's lawyer. He only copped to representing Jeffrey Epstein's um, pilot, his scheduler, Um, and one of these girls who... Actually described uh, as was described as 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 Epstein's sex slave, uh, but there's there's toing and fro-ing on this, and this man has even been on Newsmax. By the way, he's donated to Obama's campaign twice, thousand dollars each time. He donated to Jeb Bush in twenty fifteen. And so you look at this and you think, okay, this is a very low level judge. He's already sketchy. There's articles all the all around about him and his links to uh, Epstein and uh, some other. Uh, things that are not necessarily above board for somebody like him to be doing, and yet, yet he uses this power to instruct uh, the FBI that they can search the premises of, of of a former president of the United States. Well, look, I am not in the business of um, saying that judges who make bad decisions should be prosecuted for those decisions. If if you start making that routine, um, then then the whole judicial process falls apart, but it, it, it's probably very clear if you, go, if you were to go through Bruce Reinhart's documents, his text messages, his emails, his friend groups, all of that, it's probably very clear that this was premeditated, that they knew this was going to come up before him, that they knew he was a friend and ally, and they probably even teed up to be this way. Well, that should be wildly illegal, and he should not be disbarred. He should not be disbarred. He should spend the rest of his life behind bars as a result of this behaviour. And these are the things that need to be got to the bottom of. And I don't care if it's Ron DeSantis who has to do it because it's in Florida, and I don't care if it's, you know, the House under Republican control that has to use subpoena powers to extract this information, but somebody has to do this. And, and, And while everybody's happy to retweet our stories, Uh, That's not what I do this for, right? I don't do it for retweets. I make no money from retweets. I don't care about, you know, how big our stories get on Twitter. Um, You know, the advertising revenue that comes to the national pulse as a result of a million people clicking on this story uh, will only pay for about a week's worth of beer for me anyway, okay? (laughs) So it's not. I don't live and die on whether or not these stories become popular, but I think we will all live and die on whether or not anything is done off the back of the revelations, that we continue to publish, by the way, we continue to publish new information on our site five, six days a week. And I'm yet, to, and by the way, this isn't a small site anymore. You know, people know this exists. People come to the site. I can see, we can geotarget. They come from within the Capitol building. They come from within the White House. People know and follow what we're writing about. The problem is nobody bloody does anything about it. Yeah,
3: that's that uh, seems to be the case. You know, when you talk about, Who's actually working and what narratives are they bringing? We could circle back to some of the things we've seen via congressional inquiry. Just over the last week, you know, we saw, listen, Christopher Ray didn't know that mar lago was going to get raided on Friday when he told right. Chuck Grassley, hey, listen, I know this is really important and we're talking about all these things, but I got a thing. I got a plane waiting. So I got to get out of here. You said I was going to be out of here by a certain time. It was embarrassing. You know, to play it on the show right. and, uh, you know, you talk about even earlier in the week when they did the uh, first ever gain of function inquiry committee, Senate hearing, whatever that was, they had a lot of people who had blown the whistle throughout the entirety of COVID who were completely muted throughout COVID come on and say, well, these are the things we've been saying since 2019, but nobody listened to us. And they're like, oh, I am so shocked to hear these revelations of things that were going on. But he's like, yeah, well, we did. We told you guys and and then we put it on like Twitter and they they locked our accounts and they canceled us off Instagram and Facebook. You know, they're not taking they're taking the generic narratives and they're running with them as kind of like drive by headlines. That's like, you know, after last night, a lot of people, Donald Trump must announce tomorrow he should fly down to Mar-a-Lago. And before the FBI is even gone, announce that he's running because it's going to protect him. It's not going to protect him. Legally announcing that he's running for president, yes, it sets up the narrative that like a political opponent is now targeting a political rival, uh, but it doesn't protect him. If the DOJ wants to indict him, it, he can an- announce right now and it's not going to protect him. You know, and, and and that's one of the things that we're seeing. They're, they're running with the drive-by headlines. They're not hitting as far as developing the narratives. That's one of the things that you guys have always done with the national polls. Uh, we definitely read your articles on this show in addition to sharing them everywhere. Because we think out at of at 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 like a lot of the places – no, it, it, it's just the fact because the work you and Natalie and that whole team down does, you know, it's just you you take the drive-by narrative, you put it into like a real headline, and then you explain, okay, you've heard about this – Here's Gain of Function. Here's Wuhan Lab. Here's Kevin McCarthy. Now let's completely deconstruct down to day one. Where did this all begin? What are the fundings? What's the dark money? Who are the people that you may not have heard about, that only some people that you never hear are talking about? Let's bring those names to the forefront and make them so everybody can hear their name and become familiar with them. It's amazing work and uh, you know, some of the stuff that we really appreciate you guys are doing down there.
10: Well, uh, and I thank you for that. Um, I, this is one of my major frustrations is our side is so um, – uh, look, I understand that we're all trying to be good Christians, but we're so willing to forgive <laughs> so fast. I mean, the idea that Matt Schlapp, who mm. just six months ago we we were debating whether or not he was fit to be in charge of the American Conservative Union because he had just accepted six figures from a George Soros-linked fund right. – and then you see all of these people going to Dallas and kissing the ring of, of Matt Schlapp. And, I, and, 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 you know, at the same time, he's hyping people like Sean Hannity, who haven't had their fingers on the pulse of conservatism for just about 10 years yep. now. Years. Um, and this is our problem. We keep... We keep circling back, um, to borrow a term, f- to these to these same people who have let us down over and over again. Not just let us down, especially in Matt Schlapp's case, by the way, sold us out. Yeah, sold us out. You know, and um, it, it it makes me sick, but it but it doesn't make me any less any less. Um, I will declare for you right now that if it is if it is as, as sure as night follows day. Right, we will get rid of Matchlap from that position because these this grift has to stop. Has it to just stop. has to stop, and th- and the fact that we don't even control the institutions on the right that that, typic, that that have typified the movement for so very long. Well, when you ask the questions like why isn't anybody doing anything about this, it's because they're busy at conflabs. Slapping each other on the back, you know, giving each other circle jerks, quick tuggy in the green room, so on <laughs> and so forth. Um, and and it has to stop. It has to stop. And, and 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 I say that having been the recipient of many a tuggy in the green room, you know, we've, we've all been there. Um, I haven't been there yet. <laughs> it, listen. They don't even use. They don't even use moisturizer. It's not a comfortable experience, you know. Forget about. It. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I mean, this is. I mean, why? Why do we continue to allow these people to tell us what time of day it is when they clearly don't own a, a watch or a clock themselves? Yeah, nothing that happens in the in, in the in the news cycle affects them.
3: That's one of the biggest things we try to tell our listenership. We sure. hear all these people. They try to get out ahead of the narrative. They try to give their talking point. They always want to get to the top of the news heap and be like, me, me, me. This, this, this. Here, but in a large overwhelming majority of the case, especially for our elected officials and everybody in the legacy media, anything that happens really doesn't affect them. You know, you you look at like the net worth and then what who they're connected to, how they got to their positions, who they're married to, and you start to find out that like they'll go out and tell you that like their narrative is the narrative that you have to follow because this is the most important, and I'm on TV and everybody watches me. But at the end of the day, you look at net worth 25, 30, 40, 50, $100 dollars. It's like I don't think inflation really hurts them as much as it hurts me, who's like blue collar middle class. And, and the fact of the matter is, I, I just want to clarify. So we're talking about CPAC. We do have to get rid of, rid of the slaps from that position. But you're saying that the party is not getting galvanized when Tulsi Gabbard and Papa John are some of the
10: headliners. That's you're confirming that. You have that on my word. <laughs> you know. And it's and listen, it's nice. It's nice. I'm not saying it's not nice and I'm not saying you can't go and have a good time there that's not what I'm saying you can go and have a merry old time there um, but you will also leave none the better you know, for having gone there, and this is somebody. By the way, you can find my writing still online. I talk about how wonderful CPAC was um, when I first started going in 2009, in 2010, and 2011. And and you you made meaningful connections, and you heard from meaningful people like Andrew Breitbart. Yep. Um, interesting things that moved that moved us forward as a movement. And today today what what are you what are you really going for okay i know a lot of people are going to listen to trump but again that was the same speech he gave twice in two weeks before that um and it's nice to see him in person don't get me wrong i've been to many rallies um and, and if that's if that's the experience you're going for and that's it then you know i can't really argue with you um but yeah, you go to see Steve, but again, Steve doesn't say anything at CPAC that he isn't saying every day on the war room. You know, so what, are you, what do you actually? What do we? What value add does the ACU have anymore? Are people leaving now, knowing how to do you know guerrilla citizen journalism like like we used to? Do. When I used to go to CPAC, me and James O'Keefe used to run around like as kids, effectively just amassing information um, on on how to do things. There were workshops. You left with with a sense of that you'd been trained to do something, uh, and now it's just sort of like, hey, come along, pay us. By the way, it's wildly expensive now. Yes. It's pay us ridiculous amounts of money. Pay the hotel, this corporate hotel firm, ridiculous amounts of money to stay on site. Spend loads of your money at the bars. Maybe even get a massage if you're if you're inclined. Probably get a tuggy in there as well. Oh. Um. And then and then and then bugger off back home, and we don't want to hear from you until we want your money next time. That's what it's turned into. Well, that's not that's not. A, 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 anything that we should be putting our shoulder to. And I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed of the people that still do it.
3: Yeah, you know, you make a lot of sense, and it's something that I remember from last week. So we we ran on our last episode. We did a nice cold open on the whole CPAC thing and everything that encompasses it, some of the stuff I already talked to you about. One of the things I meant, it's weird, because, like, you see some of the larger pundits. Like, I saw Charlie Kirk on his show last week go out and do, like, a 30-minute uh, segment on the amount of money asking and donation requesting that's coming from the GOP the RNC on behalf of like Ronald McDonald, places like CPAC and stuff like that and how annoying it was and he was pulling up his phone and they were like screen sharing It's like look just today 26 things like this is the third and final chance you know f- five times the donations and I'm just like but then everyone there gets on a plane and goes down there and enjoys like the people and the event and I get it it's like you know we've talked to so many people who go And it's just like, yeah, it's nice, it's fun, it's a good event. But at the same time, you just, when I was watching it on television last week and the coverage, I mean, you know, one of the Real America's Voice had the most video of it, you know, not on the stage, but what was going on in the background. It made me feel gross. Everyone there, like, when they're trying to, like, get crowds on, they were all old, they looked super rich, and (laughs) it made me feel yucky. It was, like, the furthest thing from, like, MAGA and even further from what, like, okay, they're all going to vote. Great for that, and probably finance a lot of these campaigns. Like, I make a lot of donations to our guests. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I can't, you know, do the maximum for a couple like they all probably do. It is not good optics for someone who's like, I mean, I'm in my mid 40s. You're younger than me, Raheem. But even some of the younger voters who liked the shows that went and did coverage of, of CPAC to like, all right, let's take it to the crowd. And every single person is like 70 years and up and wearing like neon cowboy hats. And like, just, yeah, it, it's big disconnect.
10: Well, and listen to this, right? So this time, for whatever reason, we heard a lot of end the Fed. Yes, right? yes. Well, great, great. But we've been talking, I mean, Ron Paul was talking about that and the in the Young Americans for Liberty crowd, we're talking about that back in CPAC's 2005, yes. 6, 7, 8, 9. Now we're just coming around to it. Now we're starting to realize that actually this is all leading to you know financial disaster? Well, I could have told you that for nothing. I wouldn't have even charged you for it. Um, <laughs> back in 2005, six, seven, and, and look, I realized that in giving this semi-lecture, I'm talking to a lot of people who feel the same way as me. So people are maybe may thinking, yeah, well, I was thinking that too, and I was a Ron Paul fan too. But, but what happened was he ended up getting eaten and cut out of the equation by the people like Matt Schlapp, yep. okay, and the reason CPAC ain't cool anymore uh, and, and is exactly what you say, right It's those older people we call them the Blue Rinse Brigade in Britain. it's the older people with the uh, with the big cowboy hats and the uh, you know the, the, the straw cowboy hats and the and the red shirts that don't fit and, and it's all just it's all just a merry old good time okay Well I'm not trying to have a merry old good time if I was I wouldn't be working in media and politics that's Facts. for sure um, and I certainly wouldn't be working in media and politics under this regime. <laughs> Um, and again, I get it. People go to see their heroes. but I, And, and, I, and I, I am addressing those people directly right now when I say this. That's not what these things are for. That's not what they're supposed to do. As a secondary or a tertiary reason to, to attend, certainly. But when it just becomes a way to extract money from your pocket so that you get to go and see somebody that you like seeing on TV every day... Well, then it's just a grift, and they're yeah. grifting off you. And they don't want anything in the country to change; they just want your change.
3: Yeah, I mean, if listen, if things start really getting better after these midterm elections, there'd be a couple people who eventually, by the twenty twenty six election cycle, be out of a job, hypothetically. So, you know, we we definitely want things to stay bad for some reasons, but overall, and and like for our ch- future children and things like that, and so we don't lose this country overallly. We. uh Definitely want things to start getting better. Raheem, last point. I, I want to ask, it's two-pronged, mm. but uh, the same question. One's geared for you, one's geared for everything else. Where do we go from here, your forecast, and then where do you go from here? What are you going to be doing coming up next? We know you're going to continue to put out the great news of the National Pulse and stuff like that, but do you have anything else coming down the pike? Maybe a full-length feature film, or you are looking to get into a rebrand your show or anything like that? Even if you can't give specific details, maybe a little teaser.
10: Okay, what was your first question?
3: Where do we go from here,
10: news-wise? <laughs> oh, what a great question. Um, I, have, I, have, I was talking to a friend of mine in England last night, and I said, uh, you know, I have a to-do list every day, and I rarely even get part. I mean, it's like 10 things long, and I, I rarely e- ever get past the first one or two things because of, you know, events, dear boy, events, things that take over the course of the day, breaking news, breaking Donald Trump's safe at Mar-a-Lago, uh, so on and so forth. And they and they, those things end up consuming you. It's like this morning, OK? You know, I, I again, didn't intend for spend the whole morning working on this um, Epstein linked Obama donor judge story but that that's the way it goes and and honestly that's where we do our best work anyway so I, I I do like I do like when those things happen I don't like why they happen but I do like when when the big breaking news cycles happen so uh, I, I think it's just a fool's errand nowadays to make predictions over the news cycle uh, certainly I am on the uh, lookout for these tanking GOP numbers in the um, in the generic uh, ballot at the moment, and Rasmussen has some very disconcerting numbers based on this. the White House seems to be fully aware that the more they hide Joe Biden, the higher his approval numbers go. Yes um, and and the dark Brandon stuff has very much been been <laughs> off the back of that.. Um, Thanks, for you know it's, it's, it's cool that they're comparing him to, to, to Batman because he, he is the most popular when he is in the Batcave. You know, he's not he's not particularly popular when he's out there destroying everything, which is actually what Batman tends to do nowadays, just break everything around him, cost, cost the city more than than the enemies do. Um, and I think for me, uh, there's a couple of things that I'm working really hard on, but it is very difficult because, uh, you know, we are an entirely uh, reader-based uh, funded operation, and things have hit people in the pockets over the last two years, and so uh, fundraising is is even more difficult nowadays. We, we, you know, the average donation to the Pulse is about eight dollars a month, um, and and the people who could afford eight dollars a month before ex, ex, exceedingly um, c- cannot afford it now, and uh, so so a lot of our plans have been put on hold. Uh, because of the economic um, situation in this country, so we're trying to develop ways to to get around that and and figure out ways to get around that without having to go to major corporations or foundations or big money donors, because those all come with strings attached. And I, if anybody knows anything about me, is I like, I don't like people trying to affix strings to me. Um, the Podcasts will be back at some point. We've got this whole new setup here uh, that's kind of been built for me by the great uh, Austin Fletcher of Fleckers Talks. Mm. Um, So that will be back soon. Um, We have a series of new podcasts launching, including uh, Terry Shillings, Natalie Winters will have her own show. Wow, A couple of others that I can't talk about yet. People should go and follow our production team. Uh, it's called Common Ground Studios. They're on they're on Instagram. Uh, you can find them there and, and probably on other social media and, and definitely on YouTube and Rumble as well. Um, what else are we working on? Well, I'm working on two books at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure that one of them will actually end up getting written, um, because of the time sensitivity to it. Uh, but the other one is kind of how to do the news because I am sick of being, you know, one of only a handful of people, I think in this country that does know how to do the news. And also, you know, if I get hit by a bus or or Hillary Clinton in the next day or so, um, (laughs) You know I want to I want to impart some of the things I've learned the hard way over the last ten years of my career so that people can just sort of pick this up and go, oh, that's how they found all this stuff out so quickly and oh, that's how they go to publish before anybody else. Um, so just a short sort of a short um, almost a pamphlet, maybe maybe a long pamphlet, short book on on how to do the news and and I'm really interested in going around the country and and giving you know, lectures and seminars and workshops for this, because I want to train the next generation of me's the next generation of, of Natalie winters. Um, and I know people, people exist out there. People are smart. They can do this work. I'm not, we're not smarter than anybody else. Um, so, so join us in doing that. I say, um, and then, you know, lastly for me is I still on my mind is, 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 I've been in this country now for, uh, six years. And I'm trying to figure out whether or not it is a free country anymore or whether or not I go back to, to my country, to the United Kingdom. And um, God knows they need my help over there. I actually up. was talking to Nigel Farage on the phone this morning and he was catching me up on the Conservative Party leadership race and just how anemic these candidates are and how little they actually care about the ordinary um, working stiff in the United Kingdom. So it may be it may be in the cards to, to you know... Internationalize the national pulse. Have the international pulse, and and you know Natalie can be in charge of the U.S. side of things. I can take more of a Europe-focused approach to things, and it would allow me to uh, to flex some muscle back where uh, back where I first cut my teeth. Which increasingly sounds like a lot of fun to me.
3: You know what? I'm selfish, and and I've I've quoted some of the things that you've put out there that I thought are really comprehensive and ahead of the curve, and on Twitter especially, and said I really wish that of Raheem Kassam could Brexit our MAGA. Like, really get in there, ground game. It's, it's just the way I feel. Ever since I heard you the first time years ago, uh, I've read a couple of your books and then had such an amazing opportunity to sit down with you every once in a while to uh, – just hash it out, you know the news the, the the real vernacular of what the the pulse is of the United States and the way that you see it and you guys crank it out there at the national pulse it's it 's been an absolute pleasure. It sounds like you 've got some great things going on there, and the biggest thing that we like to do on this show is support real news so your social medias and then obviously the website will get as many of our uh, listenership who aren't already dialed in. I mean, I'm a member and I, I suggest everybody else should be, you get a lot more plus, you know, you get one-on-one conversation with you in the discord as well. So uh, it, it's definitely something that, you know, when you look at the product of the work that's coming out, you know, that the small contribution that you're making is, is, is well worth it. Raheem, it was great sitting down with you today. And of course, at some point in the future, uh, we'll be looking to have you back.
10: Yeah. And I say to people that, you know, they don't realize I go into the Discord, our private chat group almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's rarely an occasion where I'm where I'm away for more than a couple of days. And if I am, you know, I'm working on something. Um, but that is one of the benefits of being a member. And, and, and that comes with $5 a month membership, uh, which I think is pretty, it makes me the sort of the cheapest political consultant <laughs> in history ever. Um, and and um, I wish to meet more people in there because when you join up for that as well, you also get involved invited to our events all around the country we did a birthday party for terry Schilling and i in dallas last week that was a load of fun we had over a hundred and something i think it was like 120 maybe 150 maximum over the course of several hours people come to the pub um in arlington in texas and you know we get to actually i learn as much from them if not more from them uh, than they learn from me meeting in person and 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 you know there's nothing quite like facetime so uh, i hope people will go to fundrealnews.com and join up um it's 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 extreme it's it's wildly cheap to the point where i may just change the price of it very soon because because i'm so sick of being such a cheap cheap date um, and, uh, everything else for us is at the nationalpulse.com And I really appreciate your guys work, your time. And if I can say something to your, uh, listeners is, sure. is don't make this a passive show for you. Um, now take the link, share it with other people. Say, I listened to steak for breakfast. I heard this great podcast or he wouldn't shut up. Uh, so forgive him on that one. But, um, yeah, you know, just communicate to your audience time and time and time again that the agency is in their hands. It's not in ours. No, you
3: listen. We made it through 45 minutes almost on the button, and we didn't even say apparatus once. Raheem, this has been an absolute pleasure. We love having you on. Uh, we'll be sharing the show later today. You're always our, our one of our highest downloads of all time, so I'm really excited for it. The work you and Natalie are doing, keep it up. Your whole team over there at the National Pulse, and uh, you take care. It's, I mean, we know where you're at. It's getting pretty wild over there. And uh, well, I guess, you know, that great guy in a movie said it once, watch your butt. <laughs>
10: enough people in D.C. watch my butt, that's the problem
3: you, you do make those lovely penises when you go out for your run sometimes <laughs> this is the man who uh, is real news, the man behind the National Pulse Mr. Raheem Kassam, thank you for joining us today cheers alright, jump into next on the show today he's a business owner and an army veteran he was the 2016 New York chair for the Trump campaign and now he's a Republican candidate running for Congress in New York 23 he's joining us for the first time, Carl Palladino thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast thank you fellas Sir, how's everything going with you? How is the race going so far up there in New York Twenty
9: Three? Very well. Uh, great reception by the people. <clears throat> actually, it's very humbling. Uh, we have a, uh, we have a sort of a conservative district, uh, and it uh, it it's got a, a big range to it. It's actually, it actually takes about four or five hours to drive across it, but it r- runs from the Pennsylvania border uh, to the west. Uh, 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 east to Elmira, which is about mid-state, and it's um, uh, it's generally rural, but a few good cities in it, and it, it has the southern part of Erie County, which is Buffalo, uh, in it. So it's a, a it's a nice district of uh, my kind of people, and and I've had a very warm reception from them.
3: Yeah, a lot of hardworking people out there, and you being a business owner in the area, they know that you've been, uh, you know, pro-jobs and making that community very strong throughout the course of your career. Um, you, you have a really good relationship with Donald Trump. There's a lot of people in, in the political spectrum who have said you, you predated the model that, that Donald Trump kind of ran with and has evolved into what the America First politics have always been. I think that gives a lot of credit to where you stand ideologically. And uh, over the course of time now, you're ready to use it in a campaign for yourself. How has uh, your relationship and, and the encouragement that President Trump gave you getting into this race uh, fueled you to get out there and, and make sure that you can secure that House seat?
9: Back in 2013, uh, a group of upstate county chairs, I think about 30 of them, went to New York City to ask Donald Trump to run for governor of New York. And uh, they felt that because he had uh, name recognition uh, and the money to do it, uh, that he would, be the, he, he would be our candidate. Uh, in trying to persuade him they sat with him for a couple hours and at the end of the conversation he said he said okay fellows i'm going to consider strongly consider what you said today but before i go another stop uh i have to talk to carl paladino <laughs> uh, he had watched me in the uh 2010 uh, gubernatorial race and mm-hmm. uh, 2009 actually and and he uh uh, had a certain appreciation of the way I presented, and and he wanted to know more about it. So I went down to New York City and had dinner with him and uh, explained myself and uh, where I came from. And we had very much the same histories. Uh, we came from nowhere, and but we had great parents, and and uh, the parents gave us the right encouragement, and as as a result, uh, we both. Uh, have a certain personality trait, which, uh, I think is good. We, we have no fear, uh, of that world out there. And, uh, uh, when I say that, uh, he's, he's a very strong man. Um, he's, he's not an equivocator. I think he illustrated in his first term that, that, uh, he's a great leader. And sure. Great feel for what's going on, uh, foreign and domestic and and uh, and he relates directly to the people. Unfortunately uh, he had the next election stolen from him and and that was uh, that was really an indication of really how well he was doing. He was he was uh, uh, stepping down on the on the, the bad guys and uh, the people that wanted to lead our country in a different direction and and he uh, uh, he it gave them an opportunity to, to, uh, 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 to play games. Yeah. Unexpected, unexpected. Uh, but you know, people wonder, well, how can you have a conspiracy that big? That's not hard when you, when you have five, five States, uh, working in a different direction and, and willing to play games and stuff, ballot boxes and whatever. In any event, uh, he's a gentleman, and uh he stood back he, he, uh, he, to this day he claims that the election was stolen but uh, he'll he'll fight another day and he'll he'll do it his way and uh, and I'm very proud of my relationship with him and I'll be there to support him He's um, he's a good man he doesn't drink doesn't smoke uh, he's a great leader of his family as you've probably seen his kids sure. they, they're, they're all they're all well adjusted uh, and gentlemen in every respect I listened to Eric this morning on the radio talking about Marlago and and it was um, it was uh, his <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree okay I, mean, what I was hearing from him was uh, uh, good stuff yeah you know? and and uh, that kind of leadership is what our country needs strong uh uh, you know, I have a military mind, a military type background, uh, I'm very proud of our country. And, and fortunately, my dad taught me to, you know, have, have your values and carry your values on your shoulder and, uh, and, and let people know because you're helping other people to hopefully improve their values and, and uh, uh, you know, don't ever be afraid to speak. And that's what we do. So yes, I'm very proud of my relationship with Donald Trump, and uh, I will highly support him in really anything he wants to do in the future. And I think this Mar-a-Lago thing is just—it's uh, a very—it's a sick experience that maybe will open the eyes of and, and even greater. Uh, we'll have greater unity among the conservatives in, in our country. The, I won't call them conservatives. I'll just I'll just say uh, the good people in our country, because it's, uh, it's not only conservatives, uh, it's middle of their voters and, you know, uh, the, the amount that in my book, the number of people that are, uh, on the other side, the bad guys, okay. Are, are the antifas, uh, the big mouse, uh, they're getting a lot of press because the press likes, uh, confrontation. They like adversarial relationships and it sells newspapers and, and, uh, Unfortunately, uh, they're very much a minority in this country. majority of the people want they want something for the future for their kids and their grandkids and, and they don't want to leave the world as it, as it is today uh, uh, very confusing for young people.
3: No, you make some uh, great points there. You talk about the strength of your relationship with the 45th President of the United States, which we think is great. We know he's encouraged you throughout you know, the course of you deciding on whether or not to run. And now that you're in this race and then you started to touch on the, the fact of negative,
9: the, the only negative about that relationship is that he doesn't sleep. <laughs> so, so get ready to get phone calls at two 30 and three 30 in the morning. Okay. It's uh, And you say, come on, give me a, are you serious? You know, it's just, he, <laughs> he's got uh, he doesn't get much sleep. Most people, will, most
3: people yeah. will will let it slide for their bosses, but you have to absolutely have to allow it when it's the boss of the entire country. <laughs> Carl, getting, getting back to what happened out at Mar-a-Lago yesterday, we saw some things that were, you know, probably unconstitutional, definitely unprecedented, and a continuation of the focus of this regime that's currently occupying the White House in Washington D.C. Uh, how they've radicalized the Justice Department, federal law enforcement agencies like the FBI, and things like that. As an average American, and now as a political candidate who's going to be going in to serve on the other side of the aisle, comparatively to what the power is now in Washington D.C., how does this make you feel? And how can you, you know, kind of get this narrative into your campaign about this is exactly part of the reason why you're running? And what are some of the things you're looking to do to help, you know, regulate and reestablish normalcy uh, once you get up inside the beltway?
9: I don't know if I'm going to establish normalcy. <laughs> What I'm going to establish is extreme disruption, if I can, because of the way a country is flowing right now is the reason that I'm I'm running. I'm I'm pretty well fed up with what I'm wa- watching out of Washington. I'm watching rhinos and Democrats others play with the American society, and 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 it and it's a travesty. Uh, this event uh, at Mar-a-Lago was just something you, if you're really thinking I mean something's gonna happen like that at, at some point and and they did it and it was a big mistake by them it will only strengthen the red wave in the next election uh, the next election is going to be a major red wave and and my hope is that the people will be able to distinguish between the good the good people who want to hold office to, to do the right thing and and the rhinos uh, who uh, just want to Hold a, hold a public office and sit there and be big shot. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not the uh, will of the people. The people want somebody that's gonna go up there and do something. That's why I, I'm assuring everybody that on day one, I will introduce a resolution to impeach Joe Biden, not only for his misdeeds, not only for his malfeasance, but also for his incompetency. The man doesn't belong as president of the United States. He rose to that office by osmosis. He got up there, he got up there somehow. Okay, <laughs> and 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 it bewilders me how people like that can rise to such an important place in in uh, in America. And 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 this guy uh, and his his uh, his chief of staff, Klein, uh his Susan Rice. Uh, these people are no good. Nope. I mean, he he brought bad people around him. People without any, without our view, okay, of what the future should look like, uh, whether it be from the perspective of foreign or domestic uh, treatment, they've embarrassed us, they've embarrassed America, they've embarrassed the United States uh, for all the great things that, that we did for the world in the past. You know the the shadow of of pulling out of Afghanistan was is absolutely a tragedy. Yes. Uh, you know the the way it was done is a tragedy. Leaving eighty billion dollars worth of arms over there is a tragedy. <clears throat> uh, you know it's been one thing after the next. Uh, he's he doesn't have good direction. Uh, you know I I've heard the rumors that Klein and and Susan Rice take uh, they go to Obama's house once a week and they. And they take their instructions from Obama. Wouldn't doubt Obama. it. Obama I that is really running this country because yep. this guy, this guy doesn't have any capacity to do so. And I think that's a tragedy. When the handlers uh, find that their that the that, that their candidate or their 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 boss is is not competent to do the job, they have a they have a legal and a moral obligation to tell that to the American people and have him removed. It doesn't matter, okay? People say, "Oh, then you get Kamala Harris." Well, Kamala Harris will put up with her and, uh, at the time, but rightfully, this guy should not be the president of the United States.
3: Oh, you, you uh, hey, are no, spot out there. Mr. Mr. Ahead, Paul, on there. Go
9: ahead,
5: Alan. I'm sorry. As, as a native New Yorker, I ask if maybe you could add to that impeachment resi- that impeachment list of people. Uh, our uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, too. I think he needs to go as
9: well for well, the uh, an idiot. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with him. He, he. I mean, he looks like an idiot. He looks. Dull. <laughs> he's got a, a deer in the headlights look about him, and, and uh, you know, I think he's way over, way, way over his peer principal.
3: Yeah, I now put my stamp of approval on this New York first edition of the show. Carl, <laughs> we want to thank you for taking some time out of your very busy schedule to come down with us today. We, we, we now have a, a New York edition of Steak for Breakfast. We are going to be looking to circle back with you at some point after the primary, before the general election, to get a full update for our listenership so they can uh, support you the best we can. We encourage our audience to not only donate to uh, the people who live in their you know states geographically, but nationally, instead of donating to the RNC or the GNP, uh, the GOP and, and places like that. Find candidates that resonate with that America First message. Contribute to their campaign. If you live in state, go out, door knock, get, pass out some signs, and do all the great stuff that's going to help them get over the finish line. We're going to live link your social medias and your campaign website as well. And uh, heading into your primary on the 23rd, we want to wish you the best of luck and uh, health heading towards it. Thank you, fellas.
5: CarlPalladino.com. Go to it.
3: Tony, Absolutely. He's put together a great team, which includes one of our great friends. And uh, like I said, Carl, we'll be looking to have you back at some point in the very near future. This is the America first Republican candidate for Congress, New York 23. Carl Palladino, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Good luck, sir. Bye-bye. All right, jumping into the back end now. We're going to – well, here's the thing. We had a whole show script written for today. It was pretty funny. So Alan's still here, guest hosting the whole show. Noah's joined us uh Hi. remotely from live from, from forklift operator training and uh no how's that going? Uh pretty good. Uh, we're picking stuff up, putting it back down, uh going in circles a little bit. Besides that,
0: <laughs> uh this is your correspondent on the ground.
3: I like it. Ladies listen, I already mm-hmm. told he's off the market. I I know what it's like when people get that operator's license for the forklift, but we're ending it right here. He's off the market. Um, <laughs> there was actually uh, there's
0: actually a a forklift operator, uh, like meme on the wall here, too. It's pretty good.
3: Nice. So maybe you'll be forklift operator of the month someday. Ooh. You're always our favorite forklift operator. Getting back into it, we did have a show script written up. We had a lovely piece about CPAC. I'm so glad that Mar Lago got rated because we 86 that. Um, we also, our, our original cold open was talking about the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Spoiler alert, you're getting fucked. Your taxes are going up. There's not really much else to cover. I'm so glad we don't have to play clips of Chuck Schumer and Bernie Sanders uh, (laughs) lying to you about it. Um, But we are going to bring. Once
0: again, asking for your financial
3: support. And and, you know what's weird? We, We did one of those right into a clip of Bernie Sanders that was originally going to be in this show. You cannot tell the difference. It's like 98% accurate, Noah's impersonation of him. Even better in the studio, obviously, but I, I started laughing when I started playing the clip of Bernie because he led in with the impersonation. Um, but, you know, one thing we are not going to take away from our listenership, one of the things we get best feedback on, everybody in Trump world loves it as well, is our exclusive soup to nuts coverage of every Trump rally that goes on and, and, and the highlights for you all. So he, he did, uh, he was out on Friday night in, in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Now, remember, we do have an election there today. So, for all of you guys getting out and, and voting for that Trump endorsed governor nomination, obviously Senator Ron Johnson and some of those House seats that are endorsed as well, make sure you're getting out and casting your vote because this is a critical heading into, you know. What happened and has transpired over the last 24 hours, we we really need you guys to get out to the poll. Before we get into the rally, though, I did see coming across the newswire today and following up on that raid at Mar-a-Lago, KGP and Peter Ducey got into a pretty good back and forth regarding it, and uh, I I think it's just going to be content that we can't avoid even in the Trump rally segment. So uh, let's hear it.
11: Thanks, Green. Do you consider Donald Trump to be a political rival of President Biden?
12: I'm not going to speak to that from here.
11: We mm. talk about Trump all the time. So do you consider him to be... I
12: don't, a, don't talk about Trump all the time.
11: Ultra MAGA, you guys were criticizing his handling of COVID last week. Yeah. You've mentioned his January 6th response a couple days I'm, ago. No. So can you say, based on all that, I, I didn't say anything about Mar-a-Lago. I'm just asking you, did you consider the president I'm, to be... I'm gay?
12: saying from here, I'm not going to comment on
11: that does the president still want to uh, think that he would be very fortunate to run against trump in 2024 like he has said before
12: again i'm not going to comment on it's just it's just I'm not,
11: from um, the president in the next election i'd be very fortunate if i had that same man running against me does he still all i can that? tell
12: you peter is that the president intends to run in 2024.
11: is there a concern here that if you guys don't say more then these republicans who are accusing this White House of weaponizing the Justice Department, weaponizing the FBI, are that's going to become the, the public sentiment? If you guys don't say once and for all, we are not doing that.
12: First, first of all, we're just not going to comment. Mm,
3: got it on, on the, the ropes. Of Justice investigation. Wow. We're just,
11: we're just
12: not going to comment are,
11: on that. is this White House weaponizing the Justice Department and the FBI against against political opponents?
12: The president has been very clear uh, from before he was elected. Very clear on this. Hold on. Throughout his time in office. I I
11: heard the quote. We will be playing the quote tonight at 6 o'clock. Is this administration weaponizing the Justice Department and the FBI against political opponents? It's
12: a simple question. Peter, the president believes in the rule of law. The president (laughs) believes in the independence of the Department of Justice.
11: You no, know, that is house. no,
12: it's a yes or a no for you. I'm answering the question. It's a yes, oh, for the you may American not like people. it, Perfect. but I'm answering the question I'm just, and I'm no, no. I'm answering the question and I'm telling you that we are not going to comment on I'm answering a the questions I want to right. yeah. The president has been very clear. I laid out what his thoughts Corn, were back what? on January 7th, oh, in 20, in 2021, mm, about wow. how he saw the Department of Justice. And I'm just going to leave it there. We're not going to comment from here, from this White House, on a criminal investigation that is currently happening. Yeah. How about okay.
3: the other White House? Will you comment from that White House? Hang on, I think I got this one. Oh, the fake, one. The fake White Tamper. House? How's that? <laughs> Perfect.
5: The fake studio White House. The criminal
3: right? investigation. How absolutely fucking loathsome is she and that whole narrative? Answer the question. It's yes or no.
0: Yes well, or- they don't want they don't want to open themselves up to you know saying that Trump is an actual political opponent because then it just it basically just the whole narrative of them weaponizing the DOJ is is factual. Not that it isn't already, but yeah.
3: You know, no, we I I broke it on the show today. It's literally a state exclusive that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Yesterday I had a phone conversation with someone who's directly connected to Trump world. He is directly connected to an already Republican nominee for an office going into the general election. And he has said there will be at least one more, probably more of these style raids on people directly connected to President Trump very soon. Like the orders are sitting on the desks of attorney generals in certain states.
0: I mean, but what is, what is the point of it other than just optics? Because it's the same as just dragging him through the mud or they're actually expecting him to have like, I mean, whatever they, they think he's going to have, like, do you think anybody's stupid enough if they are in the possession of something sketchy like that to just like have it hanging out. That doesn't make right. any sense. Like, so, it, it's it's all optics.
3: So you guys are saying dark Brandon isn't getting any real traction anywhere except 4chan where they're using Nazi logos.
12: <laughs> yeah <exactly.
3: laughs> oh wow dark exactly. brandon yeah it, it, that's a thing no they started dark brandon this week but some of the actual people in congress and and other political pundits have shared an image and it's of like uh the batman movie you know where they have like the fire bat behind him but they took yeah. the they took the bat out and changed it to the reich
11: eagle
13: Oh
3: my God. And the people didn't realize that what it was, and it was circulating on 4chan, and they already shared it over Twitter. So, gotta love that. You know what else we love? It sure is. And and so was the Trump rally in in Wisconsin this Friday night. Let's jump in, and uh, we'll we'll hear the 45th President of the United States cold open.
13: Thank you. Well, thank you very much, everyone. I want to say a very big hello to a place called Wisconsin. Has anyone ever heard of
3: it? You guys ever hear of it?
13: It's great to be back in this magnificent state with thousands of proud, hard-working American patriots. That's you. Three months from now, the people of Wisconsin are going to fire your radical Democrat governor, Tony Tony Evers. He's a real beauty. And you're going to send Tim Michaels an incredible success story. Tim Michaels to the governor's mansion. And you're going to re-elect the amazing Ron Johnson. So respected. Great people. One of the best. And you got others, you know that. We're going to elect an incredible slate of America first Republicans up and down the ballot. And we are going to end crazy Nancy Pelosi. What the hell? What was she doing in Taiwan? Oh, she was China's dream. She gave them (laughs) an excuse. They've been looking for that excuse she gave her. Everything she touches turns to you know what. Two failed impeachments, remember that Got her. This has been an exceptional week for the America First movement. Exceptional. You probably saw that the Trump-endorsed... Candidates Blake Masters easily won nomination for the U.S. Senate in Arizona. Carrie Lake won the nomination for Arizona governor. Tudor Dixon won the nomination for Michigan governor. John Gibbs, great guy, defeated Rhino Congressman Peter Meyer. (laughs) Peter Meyer (laughs) spells it a little different than other people. He is a little different right now. He's not so different though because he lost. (laughs) <laughs> this week we're 45 wins and no losses is that good and in texas a few weeks ago 33 and 0, and plenty of those candidates were not expected to win now we're going up and down looking at these victories with a massive win on tuesday right here In a place called Wisconsin, there's somebody right over there. Tim, you better win. You're going to win. Tim Michaels, he's going to win. He's going to win. I'm also pleased to announce that just today we chose Milwaukee for the 2024 Republican National Convention. Just look at a big screen. How do I look from behind?
9: <laughs> oh, uh,
13: God. Wow. Not bad. Not terrible. All
3: right. You can kind of get a vibe of the crowd there, which was extremely large. It probably broke whatever attendance records that they previously held. Most of his rallies do. Now, he did mention his uh, up to the minute endorsement numbers. I've got the total here and, and heading into today, which is Wisconsin. He sits at one ninety seven and 14. <sighs> and not only that, with the uh, Joe Kent securing the nomination in the jungle primary yesterday. No, I don't know if you had heard, but it's official.
0: Did they call it? Oh,
3: Kent. They did call Kent it. Got it. He, yeah. He, nice. he beat her by uh, a little over 1% also avoiding a recall. So, okay. Dang. and we'll be, we'll be probably sitting down with Joe Kent next week. 7 of 10 impeachers now have been primaried by President Trump or are retiring. So Um, add add another X to the uh, FBI-style wanted poster that Donald Trump continuously posts with uh, the stats on it. It had been sitting at 6 of 10 for a while with John Gibbs winning last Tuesday, Uh, but now we can make it 7 of 10 with um, Jamie Herrera-Butler now incumbent. And the other
0: ones the other ones are pending still, right?
3: Yeah. The, but, but you're talking about another sitting congressperson in a, has been primaried by a Trump endorsement. Political yeah. outside. Yeah, I
0: mean I mean nobody's nobody's squeaked by and, you know, there's an O instead of an X. No,
3: yeah, no no victors yet. So and we and we yeah. still got races to go. So we'll, we'll see what happens Alan, what do you think about the uh the mood that it sounded like down there at uh Waukesha Wisconsin on Friday night?
5: Well, I think the mood is electrifying like every Trump rally has been, and I think it's going to intensify now that the uh, federal government is blatantly trying to smear him and the left being terrified that he's going to run for president again. I think it's just energized everybody, and I think this is all going to blow up in their face. Hey, really quick, Joe Kent, I saw something this morning. Mm-hmm. Did his – Actual vote, the vote that he cast. There was a question that they were trying to disqualify the vote that he cast. Do you hear anything about
3: that? Yeah, his ballot was rejected in the election it, system. It was rejected. Oh yeah. God.
5: How does that happen?
3: Uh, you, I can mean, check, you can check. You could check it online. That happens. Yeah, but. he checked it online and uh, he shared it. So it said his ballot was under review. <laughs> wow, that's not on purpose. Sure it isn't. But uh, again, that'd be funny if it was like his ballot was the one that made him win. <laughs>
5: That would be great.
3: It was a pretty tense weekend. You know, I texted with him back and forth, and he said he really appreciated all we did, you know, getting his message out and making our own posts about him across all of our social medias. But when you knew it had gotten down – to like the bare bones numbers. And there was 54,000 day of voting ballots left. And they hear like, okay, we're going to have an update on Thursday. Okay. We got an update on Friday. We should have official tally by Monday. That's where I knew in my heart that he had won. Because again, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's another example of over 70% of the actual day in Republican voter base came out and voted for Joe Kent and they broke the system again. And we have another America first nominee now uh, going up against a true progressive democrat in that primary so the first time we've seen that there in a while as well because in the jungle primary you could have two dems or two republicans but it's going to be republican versus democrat but you know, it, it's like our great friend Raheem said at the top of the show, we're going to have to do a lot more work between now and then. It's something that we harped on a lot in our cold open last week on Friday uh, of getting this party galvanized. We've seen a lot of disparaging things from leadership within the party, Stefanik, McCarthy, uh, just not towing the lines. I think Raheem called the milk toast-like um, <laughs> mm-hmm. narrative. And I, I, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds pretty terrible. And, well, and uh, it also goes to
0: show that the fact that these races are coming in close i mean you know that they're still doing the the funny business with the with the voting and stuff like that i mean it just shows like joe kent's own ballot under review like the the shenanigans are still happening and just the fact that people are showing up in force and and just making their voices heard it's it, it's it's the same thing that's going to happen in the next election like they're they went way too hard on on their fraudulent votes this last time, which made it seem unreasonable, but like, they're going to have to just go completely and utterly over the top. And it's going to be like, uh, yeah, there's more people that voted than actually live in the United States, like in order (laughs) to get this shit across the finish line
3: again. (laughs) Yeah, no weird. Well, here's going to be our now biweekly reminder that in some States, and we're talking about stacking numbers, You can vote in the general election up to 75 days before November 8th. That's fucking wild. Mm -hmm.
13: That is wild.
3: And, uh, you know, something that needs to be addressed. But, listen, we've got five or six governors up. We'll we'll find out if uh, we're going to get Wisconsin today. You know, Bailey, Dixon, Mastriano, Kerry Lake, uh, Dan Cox, they've all run on completely reform. We will not see drop boxes. We will not see Zuckerbucks. And we're going to greatly and drastically reduce early voting in a lot of these states. But it's still not enough. Um, you know, and, and it's one of those things where uh, we're going to have to keep an eye on it as, uh, you know, election season. And we'll start we'll start, letting you know, what states are going to have early general election voting, because as we track all of our candidates and friends, a steak for breakfast, we'll let you guys know uh, when they're saying you could get out and start early voting. We still got a couple primaries left down the pike here, uh, New York, Connecticut, Florida, to name a few, uh, Wyoming as well. Uh, we're, we're down to single-digit days left in Liz Cheney's political career. And I don't know if you guys know this. There's a certain amount of presidents, you could probably count them on one hand, that you could add up and, and they still won't be as bad as Joe Biden has done. Joe, Let's hear Donald Trump give us the exact number.
13: You could take the five worst <laughs> presidents in American history and put them together and they would not have done the damage Joe Biden has done to our country in less than two short years. The contrast between the Trump administration's amazing success and we had amazing success. And Joe Biden's breathtaking failure could not be more (laughs) stark. Let's take a look at some of the facts. Less than two years ago, when I was in office, gasoline, gasoline for cars, $1.87 a gallon. And now it's five, six, seven, and even eight dollars a gallon, just hit eight dollars and twenty-five cents in a place called California. Eight dollars and twenty-five cents, and you're gonna be following along. Chow. We gave you the largest tax cuts and regulation <laughs> cuts in American history, even larger than the Reagan tax cuts that once held the record. We broke it by a lot. The radical democrats now intend to impose the biggest tax hike in american history the exact opposite of what i did and they are working feverishly to pile on more regulations at levels never seen before you're going to have regulations like nobody's ever seen before
3: can't wait to see that packed into all of those green new initiatives that have been uh passed through the house now here's a question i'll ask both of you guys i mean it's a small it's a small poll but you know we have three people here do you think the chip act and the inflation reduction bill would have passed through the Senate. So, do you think Manchin and Cinema would have both voted yes if Mar a Lago happened before the official vote?
5: I'm going to say Manchin, I think, m- might have been a no. I don't know about Cinema. I-, I would go Manchin, possibly 50% that he would have been a no if Mar a Lago happened before they voted on those.
3: What do you think, Noah? Yeah, I got to agree, probably with Alan. I th- I think they both might have balked at Man, I tell you what, we're, we're even seeing like uh one of your favorites, Noah, former disgraced governor Cuomo. Hello. He came out. To, I'm a, that guy. I, I'm a Cuomo phobe. He came out today. Where is that guy? Well, it, listen, he he put out a statement today that what the hell is going on with our federal law enforcement agencies and and, and Oh what are, wow. What are you guys oh. thinking because if this isn't real and this is to slow down that 197 and 14 uh, endorsement records getting over the finish line for Donald Trump. He's like, and I'm paraphrasing now, you guys are absolutely fucked like the sausage, eat the whole sausage you've ever been before.
9: Yeah, he put out raid his into, tweet. Raid
3: the sausage. Yeah.
5: Yep.
3: Dip the garlic. He said,
5: he's calling for the DOJ. to. He, they must immediately explain the reason for its raid, and it must be more than a search for ing- Consequential archives or it will be viewed as a political tactic and undermine any future credible investigation and legitimacy of January 6 investigations, which, by the way, have no uh, credibility to them anyway. Sounds, like, sounds yeah. like
3: somebody who got fucked over by the Justice Department a little bit. What do you guys think?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny when their own team starts starts uh, hammering back.
3: Well, now you know what it sounds like when uh, somebody wants to run for president and, and the Democrat apparatus tells them no. Um, Donald Trump weighed in on some of the elections that had happened last week, namely Kerry Lakes, and, and spun it into his usual spiel on uh, the election fraud that we know and we're obviously just talking about that goes on across the country. Let's hear it.
13: And we would have great elections once again, and elections that we could count on, not elections where Kerry Lake is waiting for days and days for the result. We have. An election going on in the state of washington a congressional election they think they should have the result over the next few days think of it Mm. it's a relatively small number of people and it's going to be weeks and they have no idea and you know when it takes that long what's happening behind the scenes we're just three months away from the most important midterm election in american history And we need a landslide so big that the radical left cannot rig it or steal it.
3: Talking about that big day and day of voters, uh, Republican Party, big, beautiful day. Mm. We've seen it in a half dozen instances right now to where the steal is definitely in and and day of voting has overwhelmingly, you know, broke the system and and has made it to where, okay, it's going to be. It's already obvious. It's going to be obvious, er, if we continue down this path, and uh, you know, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see what the optics are four months from now in the cold, bad weather, how beat up we are, what happens in regards to you know, we just we we're just seeing it. We're still in the first twenty-four hours of the raid by the FBI and the DOJ, um, by the Biden administration down at Mar-a-Lago. How. Is as much as this going to galvanize the base, or you know, in regards to leadership, make it not seem as important as it should be? You know, everybody's up on their soapbox. Grifter's going to grift right now. We've seen it. The slaps are out there. Uh, drive-by headlines like Steve Bannon in the last eighteen to twenty-four hours. Oh, Trump must announce now. Why? Doesn't do anything. I just got
5: another fundra- I Just now, another fundraising from the GOP. Another fundraising text message. This is now the fifth one today attempting to fundraise on the raid at Mar-a-Lago. It's Don- amazing what they what they want to do for Don-
3: Donald Trump. Announcing doesn't change anything. We've already told you no. on the show it, it's a state exclusive. Literally, there is a Republican nominee, at least one that's going to get swatted by a by a state justice department soon. <laughs> um, we can confirm that. We're
0: going to have to start covering uh, swatting and FBI raids. soup the nuts. Oh, I like of- that. Just rallies.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to need some on the ground, uh, reporting, you know, in, in our cold open, I, I did get into some of the text messages I was sharing uh, well Trump world was sharing with me yesterday, but you know, as, as in regards to like the private or just, I, I, I told everybody that I was talking to, listen, I'm not looking for a news story or something to talk about on the podcast. I'm literally doing a wellness check. Cause I know sometimes these operations are multi-pronged and, uh, speaking of things that need to you're get, you're going to start getting text messages back
0: from some random
3: FBI agent. Uh, they're busy right now. Uh, who is this? <laughs> yeah, we want to talk to you. Well, agent What's your address? Agent so-and-so would like to FaceTime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not going to be a good one. Uh, you know what else is not good is the current education system in the United United States. You know we're always at the bottom rung of testing. Uh, woke politics and, and, and sexualized uh, curriculum have, have led to the ruination of the public school system. And the children are, uh, you know, at the behest of... Socialist captors, according to Donald Trump, and, and Marxist educators. Let's hear it.
13: It's crazy. What's happening in this world and to our country is just crazy. It's time to finally and completely smash the radical left's corrupt educational cartel. Mm. Our children yeah. are captives to unhinged Marxist educators. Where do they come from? who are pushing inappropriate sexual, racial, and political material on our children from the youngest possible age. And the parents are sitting home thinking your children are being beautifully educated, and they're listening to these Marxists and these crazy people. At long last, every parent in America must be empowered to opt out of this indoctrination and send their child to the public, private, charter, religious, or home school of their choice.
3: Absolutely. I think it's one of the most critical things right now, especially after, if you want to take a year and a half of not learning anything because of COVID and then come right back in and you're like knee deep in pronouns, I can't think of a way to even more ruin the young generation in our country right now.
0: Yeah. It's it's one thing if you're playing catch up with education, like, all right, I know you guys were literally, you know, just like your, your daughter had said that, you know, what do you want from me? I'm sitting at home pressing a button until it says the answer is correct. And then I move on to the next one. It's like, you can say, yeah, we're going to play some catch up on that. And we're going to really, you know, dig into important learning math, you know, grammar, all the other stuff. But no, we're going to go on some just like weird ob- obfuscated random, like gender pronouns and sexual ideology mm-hmm. stuff. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's not like, show you comic like, books like, of you're going to catch up, I just, I don't get it. Like regardless of what your political affiliations are or where you sit on the fucking scale of I'm okay with this, I'm not okay with this, go back 15 years, 10 years even, five years even. If you would have told anybody on either side that this kind of stuff was going to be taught in the schools, you you would get laughed at it's insanity
3: or beat up or put in jail. If you would show like literally some of the actual graphic literature, if you would have brought that before a school board and said, I'm from the future and this is what you're going to be teaching four year olds in 30 years, you probably would have gotten shot. And then you're You're
0: all "No, that's like weird adult anime, like tentacle porn or something.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, I get it. And, uh, you know, the education cartel wasn't the only thing that Donald Trump was talking about. It's something that he's recently added to his uh, rally repertoire, but something that we love here on Steak for Breakfast. He's talking about literally clearing out a lot of the people who slow down and weigh down the taxpayers in the uh, current prison system, namely members of the cartel. And what they do to members of the cartel who blanket their communities and countries with drugs in other places. Um, I think it's probably the most right progressive way of thinking about this and, and definitely like what this could be uh, eventually spun into on the campaign trail. Let's hear it.
13: Look at countries throughout the world, the only ones that don't have a drug problem, and they have none whatsoever, are those that institute the death penalty for drug dealers. Sounds tough. <laughs> But I'm so tired of setting up blue-ribbon committees composed of nice people, wonderful people, and they're not going to be successful in dealing with these savages. You know, when I was in China, I said to President Xi, I got along with him very well, but once COVID came, we did a great deal, actually, with them, trade deal, helped our farmers, our manufacturers. But I said to President Xi, maybe naively, do you have a drug problem in China? No. He looked at me like, what a stupid question. No, no, we don't. The drug problem they have is they send drugs to us. That's our problem. But they stopped doing it, very much so. But I said, uh, President, do you have a drug problem? No, 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 we don't. You don't. I said, wow, that's amazing. Uh, What do you attribute that to? Quick trial. I said, what's a quick trial? That means a quick trial. It means exactly what it says, quick trial. And they have the death penalty for drug dealers. So, drug dealers say, you know, well, let's get the hell out of China. Let's go to the United States or someplace elsewhere. Nothing happens to us. If we're going to stop this scourge, and this is a big factor for the crime in our country, drugs, it's time to get brutally tough on the dealers, traffickers, and narco-terrorist cartels who are stealing millions and millions of lives, killing people in our country. If you want to make our country safe for violent... I'll tell you what. If you want to make it safe for violent criminals, just vote for the radical Democrats because they're never going to change.
3: Facts. You know, I just saw Breaking Over the Wire over the course of the show today. New York Mayor Eric Adams, complete bitch who's been running uh, the news circuit crying about all the illegals um, getting bussed up to New York by Greg Abbott. He... He went on a talk show and said, you know, I'm really considering buses, sending busloads of New Yorkers down to Texas. And what I does was like, mean? what does it mean? But the, I mean, For OK, what? let's see. Freedom, open carry, lower taxes, easier to operate a small business, better education system, less traffic, less smog, less crime. Win! That's an even trade. Start sending New Yorkers down to Texas and integrate them into the community. Give them a little, like, uh, wake-up class and then uh, keep sending the illegal migrants who are completely draining the public resource system there and the homeless shelters and, and all of the uh, NGO, you know, they're like, pseudo-international smuggler cartel uh, organizations to, uh, you know, keep putting the burden on them. I, I think, And it's, then Texas would have some really good pizza. Oh, mamma mia. That could be a positive. True story. New
5: right? York, we do have the best pizza here. We do.
3: Yeah, abs- well, I mean besides New Jersey, it's probably the second best pizza in the country. Yeah, New Jersey sucks. <laughs> so does Chicago. I, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. This is a New York edition of steak for breakfast, so yes, I'll yeah. I'll, I'll be in agreement just for that. I'm sure there's some decent places in New York that that are better than Sorry, other places. Sorry Mike in Crispy, New
5: but your pizza
3: blows. Oh, stop it. Mike might be coming in for <laughs> wow. a little. He might be coming in for a spot First on a Friday. Attack. We love Mike Crispy on this show. You know who else we love is, is our support of law enforcement. Donald Trump has also been big on backing the blue and, and getting away from the persecution that police have gone through in this country since, well, since 2017 in Baltimore, but more recently throughout the summer of love and how the only time you see police now it's at, you know, the direction of the DOJ and they're usually raiding political opponents. But uh, let's hear him talk about leaving the police alone.
13: Under a Republican Congress, we should pass emergency funding to hire thousands more police officers, and we will do that. And to put violent criminals behind bars and keep them behind bars. Leave our police alone. Let them do their job. Give them back their respect. They know what to do. We have to allow them to do it. Tim knows. And instead of targeting Republicans, conservatives, Christians, and patriotic parents, the Biden administration should try going in and dismantling the street gangs and vicious criminal cartels that are dominating these Democrat-run cities. And instead of taking guns away from law-abiding Americans, We should try taking them away from the violent felons and career criminals for a change, enforcing existing statutes, they're existing, to get them in jail.
3: So uh, it seems like that statement right there, the back end of that audio clip, is a little bit more relevant today than it was on Friday? Yeah. Stop targeting Republicans, conservative, political opponents, etc.?
0: Yeah, it's a little on the nose now.
3: It certainly is, and uh, equally as scary as we're still waiting for, you know, some developments to come.
0: Man, I wonder... We just know if... that they're not they're not going to be able to rationalize why they did it. There's not going to be anything. It's just going to be a slew of, well, I'm not uh, able to, to uh, comment on a current investigation or, you know, just yeah. like KJP i this White House is not gonna comment on that. It's like fuck you. It's your job to comment on
3: it. It certainly is. And uh, you know, it, it's funny because you, you just can't really rationalize where they're gonna go with this. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying I have to agree with Governor Cuomo, like they are really doing a bad job of setting something up unless they're you know, we we've hypothesized on this show that they're going to use the threat of possible indictments throughout the election season. It could be that, but um, we, we have to see how big and expanded this is going to get. You know, it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous what's going on in regards to this right now. and, And it's unprecedented. This makes Watergate look like, you know, that was like the director of the FBI. That's not the last president of the United States. Who's going to be the next nominee in the next election cycle. Um. You know, and it's like, at that point, who's safe? Like, literally, who's safe? We, we, we joke around with it sometimes. You know, t- Tim Pool's up to double digits and getting swatted live on his show. But, uh, you know, when it's the resident of the 45th president of the United States, while the 46th president is a member of the opposition party and in office, yeah, it, it sets a whole new standard, like one we've never seen before.
5: I'm surprised you don't see it more often with the swatting. And, and uh, you know, we might have to start a swat pool you know, on our shows, uh, who's going to get swatted next. I, I, you know, rated next because well, we know it's going to happen.
3: Yeah. Unfortunately I know one of them, so I won't be a inside trader on that one. Um, and right, we can, Nancy. we can add that to our other new skit. We, do, we have the, uh, DVE bingo. No, no, I had it going last week. So, uh, you know, and, and it's one of those things where, uh, it, it's just absolutely, it's silly, but it's, it's really scary. Um, you know, watching your back is like something as a conservative, as a populist nationalist. Now, as someone who identifies as as MAGA or beyond, you know, it's just crazy. You can't even walk out the door anymore with like absolute certainty that you're going to not be arrested, detained, questioned, shook down, have your house raided, uh, you know, be completely embarrassed or taken away from you in front of your family. Absolutely nothing. For nothing. For nothing, for, for your voter registration affiliation. For making a donation nobody, to a
5: certain candidate, to having a show. It? it's You never know.
0: I hope nobody comes and pulls me out of forklift training.
3: That would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And as we're going to get into our outro right now, it is the signature piece of all Donald Trump's rallies. We know he makes specific adjustments and mentions of things that make that state great, in addition to the candidates who he's out there running for. Uh, we're gonna let our listenership, you know, enjoy that elongated piece of audio while we uh, cruise and get ready to uh, sit down with our next guest. So, but before that, let's listen to this.
13: We will restore patriotic education to our schools, and we will teach our children to love their country, honor our history, and to always respect our great American flag. And in conclusion, our MAGA movement, the greatest movement of all times in this country and in many other countries, no matter where you go, it's the greatest political movement of all time, probably the greatest movement of all time. And you know, the fake news is back there, a lot of them, they never even question me on it. You know, if I say something that's slightly off Diane, they say, oh, that was, they've never questioned. I say, it's the greatest political movement of all time in our country and beyond our country, too, but in our country. And they never question me the fake news. Together we are standing up against some of the most menacing forces, entrenched interests and vicious opponents our people have ever seen. A friend of mine recently said that I was the most persecuted person in the history of our country. When I thought about it, I actually felt that he may very well be right. We had a Russia, Russia, Russia scam that was covered religiously by the media, even though they knew it was fake news. They knew it. They knew it all. It all came out. It turned out to be a concocted fairy tale made up by crooked Hillary Clinton, the Democrats and a sleazeball writer named Christopher Steele and a coordinated effort with of all places. You know who they worked with? Russia. They worked with Russia. Do you believe this? This could only happen to me then i had impeachment hoax number one impeachment hoax number two and the mueller investigation resulting in a verdict after two years of no collusion they said trump didn't collude with russia who has been through anything like this seriously certainly no politician and definitely no president All of this while I was doing so much as president, including creating the most secure border in American history, record tax and regulatory cuts, $1.87 gasoline, no inflation, low interest rates, record growth in real wages, greatest economy in history, rebuilding our entire military, the historic Abraham Accords, bringing peace to the Middle East. Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, and so much more. Now we have the January 6th Unselect Committee of Political Hacks and Thugs. And these are the very same people who perpetrated the lies that I was an agent of Russia, like Shifty Adam Schiff, Watermelon Head, and others. Who are standing before the same microphones that they have for the last five years and doing the exact same thing with january 6th as they did with all the previous assaults (laughs) on our country and on my family they assaulted my family think of it adam schiff made up along with crooked hillary and others they made up the russia hooks and then i watched adam schiff stand at the microphones so sanctimonious and say Donald Trump Junior should go to jail for what he did with Russia. Now, think of that. He made up a story, a fake story, and he's suggesting that my son, a good kid, go to jail on a story that he knows is fake. What do you think about that, Diane? Not good, right? So where does it stop? Where does it end? It probably doesn't. Probably not. Stop. Because despite outside dangers. We have great outside dangers with China and Russia. And if we're not careful, we're going to end up in world war three. I can tell you that because we're not handling anything right. Our biggest threat remains the sick, sinister and evil people from within our country, Mm -hmm. the same people that we're talking about. Never forget everything this corrupt establishment is doing to me is all about preserving their power and control over the American people. You, They want to damage me in any form so I can no longer represent the hardworking citizens of our country. And based on the poll numbers, they're going to have to start doing it because we're leading everybody, Republicans and Democrats. So I guess that's their only option. And the fake news media, these people right back there, a lot of them, is totally complicit in what's happening. If I renounce my beliefs. If I agreed to stay silent, if I stayed home, or if I stayed in my basement like Joe Biden did, the persecution would stop immediately. That's what they want me to do, and it would all be very nice, I'd have a very nice life. But I can't do that, and I will not do that, because I love our country, and the people of our country, I love them so much. Mm. And I'm not doing this for me because I had a very good and luxurious life before entering the wonderful world of politics. I'm doing this for you and it's my honor to do it. Because if I don't do it, I believe our nation is doomed to become another Venezuela or become another Soviet Union or become a very large scale version of Cuba where all is lost and there is no hope whatsoever no matter how big or powerful the corrupt radicals we are fighting against may be, you must never forget this nation does not belong to them. This nation belongs to you. Belongs to you. This is your home, this is your heritage, and our American liberty is your God-given right. From Madison to Milwaukee, From Janesville to Green Bay, from Kenosha to right here in Waukesha, we inherit the legacy of Wisconsin patriots who braved incredible dangers to carve out life in a vast and wild but wonderful frontier. We stand on the shoulders of American giants who crossed the oceans, explored the continent, settled the Great Plains, won the Wild West, laid down the railroads, raised up the incredible, beautiful, great skyscrapers, conquered the skies, fought two world wars and won, defeated fascism and communism, mastered spaceflight, and made America into the single greatest nation in the history of the world. But now we are a nation in decline. We are a nation that is failing. We are a nation that is hurting so badly. We're a nation that has the highest inflation in over 40 years. And where the stock market just finished the worst first half of the year since 1872. Mm. Think of that. Likewise, we are a nation that has the highest energy costs in its history. We are no longer energy independent or energy dominant as we were just two short years ago. We are a nation that is begging Venezuela, Saudi Arabia and many others for oil. Please, please, please help us. Joe Biden says Yet we have more liquid gold under our feet than any other country in the world. We are a nation that is consumed by the radical left's Green New Deal, yet everyone knows that the Green New Deal will lead to our destruction. We're a nation that surrendered in Afghanistan, leaving behind dead soldiers, American citizens, and $85 billion worth of the finest military equipment anywhere in the world. We are a nation that allowed Russia to devastate a country, Ukraine, killing hundreds of thousands of people, and it will only get worse. It would never have happened with me as your Commander-in-Chief. Agreed. And it didn't. Sure didn't. It didn't happen. Never happened. And China with Taiwan is next. Just watch what's happening. You see it happening before you how stupid it was that she went. We are a nation that has <laughs> weaponized its law enforcement like never before against the opposing political party.
3: It's aging. They marvelously. Send their law
13: enforcement out to get them because they can't beat us at the polls. So let's lock them up. We are a nation that no longer has a free and fair press. Fake news is all you get. And they are the enemy of the people. We are a nation where free speech is no longer allowed, where crime is rampant like never before, where the economy has been collapsing, where more people died of COVID in 2021 than in 2020. We are a nation that is allowing Iran to build a massive nuclear weapon, which they are incredibly being allowed to do right now as we speak, and China to use the trillions and trillions of dollars It has taken from past administrations to build a military to more than rival our own. And just two years ago, we had Iran, China, Russia, and North Korea in check. They weren't going to do a thing against the United States. They weren't going to hurt us. Everyone knows that's true. Even the radical-left Democrats say it. They weren't going to do a thing against the United States when Trump was president. And perhaps most importantly, we are a nation that is no longer respected or listened to around the world. Facts. We are a nation that in many ways has become a joke. And we are a nation that is hostile to liberty, freedom and faith. We are a nation that allows men to play sports on women's teams and dominate those teams. We are a nation whose airports are a disaster, whose flights never leave on time and whose passengers are stranded all over our country. We are a nation whose economy is floundering, whose stores are not stocked, whose deliveries are not coming and whose educational system is ranked at the bottom of every list. Yep. But we are not going to let this continue. Two years ago, we had the greatest country that we've ever had. We were doing better than we had ever done. And soon we will have greatness again. We will have greatness again. I sure hope so. It was hardworking patriots like you who built this country. And it is hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. We will stand up to the radical left lunatics and rhinos and we will fight for America like no one has ever fought before. There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot meet. There is no victory we cannot have. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. We will never, ever, ever back down. As long as we are confident and united, the tyrants we are fighting do not stand even a little chance, because we are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and to God alone. My fellow citizens, this incredible journey we are on together has only just begun and it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again. Yep. We are one movement, one people, one family and one glorious American nation. So with the help of everyone here today and the citizens all across our land, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Wisconsin. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. (laughs)
1: What
3: do you think, Alan? Well...
5: I love what the man says. I mean, we are in dire straits, and we the people are the only ones that are going to be able to save it. It is not one man, and I love Donald Trump, he's not going to save the country. It's it's ultimately up to us. And right now, you know, if people have second thoughts about how important voting is in the midterm elections or primaries, you should know how... Important it is now, especially what just happened the last 24 hours. So my message to people, Republicans and conservatives and those who are centrists, get off your asses and do something and get involved because, you know, at any time we could we could lose our country. And I feel like we're we're on that slippery, slippery slope And I think a lot of people would agree and it's unbelievable time to be alive.
3: It certainly is. And, uh, you know, jumping back to top of the show and, you know, our, our time we spent with Raheem Kassam today. Mm -hmm. Um, this fight is for us. Like the America that we remember people that are like my age, Alan's age, we're in our forties, Noah's age, you know, those '80s that we grew up in, playing in the dirt, street lights meant it was time to come home. Yeah. You, you could leave your house in the morning on your bike and return at night, and it wasn't weird. Um, school was fun and and wholesome. Th- those days are are the days we're fighting for our kids, their kids, and their kids' kids. We w- we will never see those days again. We're we're, we're literally fighting for some kind of normalcy in all this madness that this country has become. And uh, never once do we ever talk about violence. Never once do we ever talk about doing negative things. We just talk Mm -hmm. about bringing normalcy, bringing legitimacy. Like Donald Trump says it, our nation in a lot of places across the world has become a joke because the president of the United States currently is a joke. The vice president is a joke the heads of the major agencies, the cabinet members, they're all jokes. 64% of the Biden administration that was hired into uh, presidential appointees or congressionally approved positions had never worked in any context for the agencies that they're now heading. And this country is more than 64% fucked right now. So I think the numbers pretty much line up with the people who's running the show. Yeah, you, you wanted to know what it looked like when a career politician who got whipped into every decision he's ever made becomes the leader of the fucking free world? Everybody knows Joe Biden's not running the show.
5: Absolutely not. All
3: the Absolutely people, who, all the people who, who sent this country down the toilet for the last 10, 15 years are running the show right now. Components of you know, the Clinton administration, obviously major components of the Obama administration, and everyone that's been a big bank roller that's been pushed out of political power. And uh, it's just almost, like, dystopian to me to even hear that rally and some of his talking points. No, it was only three days ago, and it sounds so dated. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm looking at the calendar now. He already did his rally in Alaska. The next big date is August 23rd. Is he going to do one in Florida? I mean, he's got a lot of the people, you know, um, Senator uh Rick Scott's there. Matt Gates is there. Anthony Sabatini's running, although not endorsed. A huge supporter, and, and someone who has a really good relationship with President Trump. There's a lot of people who are in the Freedom Caucus who are going to be in the Freedom Caucus and, and America First senators. That are, you know, Marco Rubio, they've kind of hashed it out. And Marco Rubio talks on President Trump's talking points all the time right now. That's where we're at. Yeah. Um, is he going to have a rally there? And how much of the narrative? Remember, we've brought you every single Trump rally. Since the start of the general election season last year, comprehensive coverage, breakdown, analysis, every outro—it's something that no one else does. It, it takes a lot of time to edit, but the fact of the matter is, is that I think those talking points, although sometimes repetitive, the the new ones and how he kind of evolves some of the older ones. You know, we've we, we've seen him take a hard stance on transgenderism, back away from the COVID stuff, go after the uh, you know education system and the teachers union. Um, really tried to criminalize and demonize the uh, drug cartels, Uh, talk about backing the blue, things that he ran on, but now they're like major stumping points. And then when he gets into the generals, they're always going to be the same. The economy, trade, our geopolitical adversaries across the globe. And it's how, what they're doing right now that those narratives would change. And I think it's important for our base, this listenership, and, and beyond to hear that message. So... You know, as we're getting ready to jump in with our last guest in this New York themed edition of Steak for Breakfast, uh, he's going to be running for a U.S. house seat in in New York 3. He's recently been endorsed by uh, one of our great friends, Rick Grinnell. Um, we're just going to have to take it for uh, what it's worth right now and know that I'm going to go out on a limb as a betting man and say there's probably going to be a, a lot of new material written into the next rally. Alan, what do you think?
5: Oh, I, I would count on it. I would count on a lot. You're hearing a lot um, of new things. And, you know, Democrats already on Twitter, the, the liberals, they're already attacking Republicans who were saying they were going after Marjorie Taylor Greene, a few others saying yep. who uh, support the blue. And uh, this is my feeling. And not everybody may agree with me. The way I look at law enforcement is local law enforcement, your town, your county, your state. To me, that's blue collar law enforcement. And those are the sure those are the grunts out there that are protecting protecting us. Okay, they're they're doing what police do and they're protecting and serving. And then I look at the FBI, I look at the ATF and I look at them as the white collar police. They're not out there every day going to gun runs and stabbings and shootings and having altercations with uh, emotionally disturbed people who are trying to chase them with axes no, they're run by unelected bureaucrats and very political. So when you hear someone say that they back the blue and then you hear a Democrat saying, oh, well, you obviously don't back the FBI when you say defund them because they're, you know, weaponized. Well, yeah, it's true. To me, the FBI are the brown shirts. We all know what the brown shirts are. Yep. So when I say back the blue, I don't include the FBI and I don't include The ATF federal law enforcement and not all federal law enforcement because I I equate the border patrol with blue collar law enforcement because they're there protecting us boots on the ground in the trenches in the desert. Um, Some of them getting attacked and fighting uh, migrants for 17 minutes until their back backup comes to help them. So they're not killed by an illegal alien. No, I lump them into the into the blue collar law enforcement. Uh, but when I say federal, I mean, I, I specifically mean the FBI and the ATF. And if I had to disband three organizations, it would be the FBI, ATF, and the Department of Education.
3: Hmm. I, I can't disagree with that. Remember, folks, suicides, places like New York, Chicago, Washington, D.C., um, through the roof since the start of COVID and uh, the summer of love. And then when you talk about some of our federal law enforcement agencies, um, you know, we, we've seen more suicides, let's just say, in the Border Patrol. You know, we've looked at the numbers, hard numbers. We've had people like Jorge Ventura on, talk about it, get real personal about it. More people have committed suicide in the last three years. So from the start of COVID up through this migrant invasion that Joe Biden created on the uh, U.S. southern border than had in the previous 10 years um, in regards to federal law enforcement officers, those men and women who are serving bravely down on the U.S. southern border right now. So. We're going to pick it up a little bit and get a little chirpier with uh, George Santos is going to be coming in with us for the first time. But uh, it, Great guy. It, yeah, it was pretty good to hear President Trump get his uh, message across. And like I said, we're going to be looking forward to how that message is going to be changing in the near future. Coming in next on the show today, he is running an America First campaign for a House seat, New York 3. He's got some big endorsements, including Elise Stefanik and one of our great friends, Rick Cornell. He's joining us for the first time. Big primary coming up in New York. George Santos, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you so much for having me. Sir, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you? How's the race looking so far?
14: so i i mean i've been coasting uh not coasting but it's the coast is clear for me i don't have a republican primary because here on long island when we decide who the candidate is we all get behind that one candidate uh it's really rare in nassau county that you'll see any form of primary take place so i'm just watching the left and the five democrats race each other to the left so far out that they're probably gonna end up on my side of the aisle on the right so it's a it's a pretty interesting uh experience and we're just plugging away at messaging and reminding folks that this is about them, not about politicians, and and what better way to say it by than just allowing the politicians to do all the talking? We need to become a lot more sufficient and self-sufficient with the, the proper natural ratio we have. Listen more, speak less, right? God gave us that ratio, and I live by it, so I'm, I'm just letting them do their thing and be all the way backwards and crazy.
3: Yeah, and now, I mean, if you want to talk about them doing their thing over the last 24 hours, we've seen some of the uh... – progressive lefts up in Washington D.C. do some things you know that are kind of unprecedented uh, in regards to the 45th president of the United States. I'm sure you were pretty much uh, watching the news as we all were over the past you know 12 hours or so. What's your your reaction coming out of uh, what you saw down at Mar-a-Lago yesterday?
14: Uh, I I can't believe my eyes. I I mean, I've never thought in in my lifetime that I'd see a president of the United States and his cabinet weaponize the DOJ to the extent that the Biden administration has done to do this to a former president, an immediate former president, and and his largest political opponent, which he knows is mounting a comeback campaign for 2024. This is probably one of the worst strategic political decisions ever made by a presidential administration. And uh, quite frankly, I I I don't believe that he didn't know. Uh, I think he knew. I think he condoned it. And I think that now he's just trying to walk away from it because it blew up. They were expecting one effect. And guess what? Everyday Americans looked at that as if they can go after a former president, they can come up after all of us. And that was just at the heels of sicking and hiring creating a budget to hire 87,000 IRS agents to sick middle-class Americans. Those IRS agents are going to turn everybody's life inside out. Hey, I'm not scared. I pay my taxes. And if I never did, I paid my penalties, whatever the case is, if I was ever late, you know, I'm human, but the reality is is I think every American should be scared and terrified for their lives because the IRS is now going to become a watchdog type of nanny state agency that is being weaponized, and I don't understand why. Why are we sticking... IRS, The IRS on Americans when we're hurting the most, instead of focusing on mitigating inflation, bringing back energy dependence, lowering gas prices, not artificially lowering them like a lot of states you are seeing here in New York, oh, we've dropped 80 cents at the pump. Well, 60 cents of that is tax holidays that right. are going to be charged back. At the american people twofold come january 2023 so don't forget about that because that is a big part of the reason gas prices are lowering it's not because the biden administration got something right it's because the biden administration and democrats in states like new york are suspending taxes and that is not a good news for the people it's a mirage the gases are still very very high
3: no, that's, that's a great point you make. And let's let's kind of stay in that thread and, and swing it back to your district. So you mentioned targeting the uh, the middle class. You mentioned that the high grass prices. What's the demographic right now? The voter base looking like in, in New York three, the, the hardworking blue collar middle class American families there. And what are some of the things as you've gone out, uh, you know, as you've built your ground game in this campaign and met people face to face and talked to them and heard the issues. What are some of the biggest things, let's just say besides gas prices that are really affecting them right now that they're hoping to see you uh, fight for once you get into Congress?
14: Well, you know, as I'm touring around the district and I'm talking to people, I've lived in this district now for 12 years and I am, like every other person here. We're, we're, we're an upper, upper middle class district. We're an affluent district. We work very hard for everything we do, for everything we have. We are amongst the highest tax districts in America. Our property taxes are the highest in the state. And yet we stay here because we like the quality of life. Everything and everyone that I talk to about it, the first thing that comes to their mind is public safety. We are not living in safe times. I know a lot of people like to point into New York City and say how crime is rampant there, but there is spillage into the suburbs. Here in here on in Nassau County, we are seeing crime pick up with petty crimes that we haven't seen since the eighties, such as car theft are you kidding 15 cars on average a night are stolen in the town of north Hempstead. this is now arguably a very wealthy part of my district we're exceedingly affluent and people are coming in from the city stealing their cars chopping them up and we never find the cars again we're seeing armed robbery taking take coming back into that but it is not residents of our county but this is all because of failed democrat policies that are spilling over from new york city into the urban areas of New York three. Look, the part of Queens I live in, which is Northeastern Queens and Whitestone, we're being targeted daily. My house has been vandalized from January 21st till today, 16 times from Swastika's Hock and Cruz signs to broken glass, my carport was pulled, my door was kicked in, We, you name it. I have police reports upon police reports, uh, threats of violence against my family and I, we, we have endured it all. But this is all again because of failed Democrat policies. And as I'm talking to people around the district, they don't care about the, the, the one thing in their head is not abortion. You don't think about abortion 365 days a year. Do you know what you think about? Groceries, mortgage, gas commuting, safety in public transit, your kids going to school and being safe, going to and coming back and receiving a quality education. These are the issues at the forefront of Americans. And obviously tax, salt, the salt deduction and caps. Look, love President Trump, big supporter of his, had one of the best policies this country has ever seen yeah. but he didn't get it right with the salt cap it hurt us a lot in this area and alan you're you're a resident in nassau yes. you know what i'm talking about ten thousand dollars is just not enough and to see that our current representative who was deemed himself mr salt on his way out folded and decided to vote for a bill that he said he wouldn't vote for unless salt was included and guess what he did Yeah.
5: And everything you say, George, is not a political talking point. I live in Nassau County. Okay. I'm right near you. And I, I live in a middle to high class community, very affluent area. I pay $13,000 a year, my property and school taxes, 13,000. Okay. And I don't have a huge house. My house is 2000 square feet in my general area. Just a few weeks ago, there was about, I think it was 16 vehicles that had their catalytic converters stolen broken windows, cars rifled through. There was a carjacking in a driveway four blocks from my house. They followed her home from a takeout restaurant and the perpetrators were from the Bronx. I believe they're coming into Nassau County. The spillover is unbelievable. Yes. We have a Republican County executive in Nassau County, Bruce Blakeman. We do have a great police department in Nassau County and, but they can't be everywhere and we are seeing it. And the gas prices again, I, I got a deal the other day at four nineteen a gallon to fill up my car. That was a deal that I found at four nineteen a gallon. So, yeah, we are hurting on Long Island. We are hurting in Nassau County. They are hurting in Suffolk County. And you know, people like you and I I following following your campaign amongst a few other people. And yeah, we we need we need a George Santos in, in 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 Congress. We do.
3: Yeah, it's, <laughs> we do. it sure sounds like it. Now, George, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was. uh, in regards to, you know, looking forward into the summer and then uh, general election campaign, how are you switching gears now that the rest of New York is moving through their primary season and looking to focus on the general election in November vote?
9: Well, you're just going to see a
14: whole lot more, right? This is going to be a campaign by We the People, and it's already been a campaign by We the People up until now. Um, I'm proud to be endorsed by, and you name it, uh, union workers, members of Congress, former members of the presidential cabinet of the 45th president of the United States, the people of the district, business owners. Can you believe it? Where, when did we ever think that a business owner endorsement would mean so much, but I, I, our commercials are are an endorsement of this campaign by small business owners all across the district. And these are people who are the bread and butter of this district who make this district what it is. And guess what? You're just going to see a whole lot of me. We have a, a aggressive plan to knock doors. Look, we're not full of nuances. We're not full of like fancy tech or fancy this and that. But guess what? You're never going to get from me lip service. You're just going to get from me action. And the actions, they hold truth to be self-evident, which is I will deliver everything I promise. Promises made, promises kept kind of guy. I'm not going to Washington D.C. to make friends or to build power. I'm not going to Washington D.C. for a salary. Matter of fact, I'm not collecting the salary for my first term. I'm giving it back to institutions within the district that need it a lot more than I do. I will collect a salary and write a check every Quarter for that quarterly distribu- uh, distribution to make sure I support organizations such as VFWs, the VA hospitals and clinics, and animal organizations that are doing good with animal rights. The victims of rape and all of these other different organizations that i want to give money back to because i want to serve the american people so my form of service is going to be by developing good legislation to mitigate and to mitigate inflation to bring back energy independence to strengthen education and to fundamentally abolish the department of education at the federal level it is not a constitutional it is not a constitutional department it bears no no right to exist and it is nothing but bureaucracy and it has created bureaucracy that is come, come created the poison pill in our education system pushing critical race theory dei and all these other far left-leaning divisive uh, um, indoctrination tactics that are just quite frankly killing our youth and destroying the ability of youth to thrive I'm product of the American dream I want to remind people what the American dream looks like it's not about money it's about opportunity money will come but if you sit back at home and think oh but I'm black but I'm latino but I'm gay but I'm fat but i'm this but i'm that you're never going to do you're never going to do well you need to get up and find that motivation don't take the handouts use use lifelines when you need them but don't make them a lifestyle i need i I need to try to get this message out as much as i can to all those people who the democrats have used this 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 have put you in that category of you're a minority no you're not there's no such thing as a minority a minority is that—that that is a is is a group of people that a political party determined were to be a minority. Right. There's no such thing. I'm a Republican, proud as heck, Republican, fiscal conservative, hawk. I am gay. I am Hispanic, and I am a first generation born American. And guess what? I I am proud to say all of that. You know why? The Democrats are terrified of me. They're terrified of the fact that everything they say is not possible. I am. Proof that it is possible Just because of the way I I look Just because of the choices I've made for my life Doesn't make me a sheep I will not follow the Democrats Sheepness nor will I allow The district to fall hostage to politics I will legislate for The third congressional district And for the entire American people As a contingency at large Because I will be serving We the people at every opportunity given
3: Yeah I love to hear that You know, Identity politics is something that the the Democrat Party and the radical progressive left have used, ramped up even more now recently as they have in years past, but it's just something that's doomed some of our, you know, most historically beautiful cities across the country. When you look at places like Chicago, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Los Angeles, and places like that, you know, they've used politics like this to kind of box people in and, uh, you know, make them feel like the only way that they could be saved is if they keep voting for the people that let them down. I, I think the last thing I want to touch on, with you, George, and I think it's it's really important, you know, as we're getting through this New York edition of Steak for Breakfast today. Um, the diversity of the don't get a steak, by the way. <laughs> I was
14: expecting a steak.
3: You know what? Anybody that comes in studio. I thought it was gonna come on like Uber Eats or something. <laughs> That's a yeah saying. for
5: a steak, George. I'll buy you a
3: steak. Oh, there I'm you go. Promises kept me. right there. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. as you mentioned in your last talking point, the absolute vastness and diversity of this populist movement in this voter cycle across the country for the America First movement, when you look at all of these House races, they don't look like your cookie-cutter Republicans. They don't look like just older white guys in suit who want to come out and talk about lowering taxes and, and fixing immigration by reaching an amnesty uh, agreement with the Democrat Party or, or, or doing things to just fix health care. This is a diverse group of like young people, old people, uh, people of all, you know, colors, ethnicities, backgrounds and religions, people from all different sectors that usually don't jump in and throw their hats in the ring for For congressional seats and Senate seats and and in governor's races, you have people that have walked away from the the Democrat Party. Like, you want to point out people like Kerry Lake. You have former, you know, operators and people who have worked in the intel community like Joe Kent. You have, well, you know, they call him one of the most far-right radicals in the party, but the Harvard-educated person who led a Christian mission all over the world and in turn learned Mandarin to continue to preach Christianity throughout the world and then worked in HUD, John Gibbs up in Michigan— I mean, these are the faces of the Republican parties now, the J.R. Majewskis and people like that. How do you, like, lend credit to how this group has come together, people that, you know, the Republican Party and and people like Donald Trump are vetting and and, and getting, you know, to the forefront of this movement? And what do you think was the pivotal moment where all these different kinds of people said, you want to know what, now is the perfect time to make a stand and, and, and this is when we really dig in our heels and fight?
14: here's the reality it's a big 10 party uh former president trump did that he bought people in from all walks of life look at what he did in florida with the latino community yeah Latinos have not voted uh, Republican in in decades. We have never had even a chance of achieving any kind of success with that part with that part of uh, the population. And guess what? They're the grow the fastest growing part of the Republican voter base. It is the Latino community. I think this is all about a message of inclusion. I think that the Democrats have been very successful for many many years at pushing forward that Republicans are racist, white supremacists. They they're not inclusive. They don't care. Look, as I have suffered discrimination from Democrats. My entire life, but I've never been discriminated by a Republican, and that is a true hard fact. That's a cold statement. I have never, ever been in a position where I've suffered any kind of discrimination in, 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 in Republican circles. But it happens constantly in Democrat circles. Whether it's my ethnicity, whether it's my orientation, whether it's my political opinions and views—I mean, to the point we've been—I've been ostracized from every single possible social circle. I was a guy who used to go to the Met Gala. I'm not invited back. I used—I used to be a guy Guy that would commission parts of, of uh, art in museums in New York City I haven't been able to do that in a long time they won't let me go back in the building if, if, I, if I try so th- these are things that I used to like doing but you know whatever the New York City gay pride said that I was not welcome to join so you know not that I would but you know it, it, it's nice to have the option and to know that I'm not welcome it's just a really big uh, um, uh, point it's like the last nail in the coffin what I think happens is the following we're going to take back the house and yep. we're going to take back the House in such great numbers. And we're going to have probably the most diverse Republican Party in a century in the House of Representatives. And we're going to remind Democrats that we were the party who freed the slaves. The first elected Black congressman was a Republican. And we're going to remind them that no more. You don't have a stranglehold on anybody. You don't get to claim any community. What you get to do is try to gain their vote by legislating on their behalf. Americans are not safer today. They are not going to be safer tomorrow under one-party control in Washington, D.C., especially in states like New York, where we have one-party control in the state and the city. Yeah. We need to desperately take back the state of New York, starting from the governor's mansion. We need to elect Lee Zeldin to governor, and that is losing is not an option in that race. And you have a sitting governor in the state of New York that refuses to repeal bail reform and to get the legislator to go back and draw new plans as people are dying in the streets. The, the New York Post had an article just recently the guy 101 damnations Mm -hmm. are you kidding one man 101 crimes and he's still out in the streets This is what we're living. This is a time we're living in and we need to fight it. I stand strong with the Republican Party. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik has been a great recruiting agent for the party and everything that she's done, dude. She's elected more women to Congress than yes. we've, been, we've ever seen before. And she's bringing in the most diverse group of people into Congress. And I'm very proud to have that endorsement. What a woman, what a trailblazer, what a fighter. If there's somebody I'm honored and proud to be friends with and have the privilege to work with, it is Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. I gotta tell you, it's it's, it's unbelievable. And, and, and I look forward to it. I, I look forward to getting the work done for the people.
3: No, it's, it's you know, you, you have, you can't, the work that she's doing is unparalleled right now as far as recruiting in that state. You know, people think in New York and if you, if you live outside of the state, it's like a, uh, oh yeah, they, are, they always vote blue anyway. Well, you know, the general election is a lot different than like the state and the federal ones for the House and Senate. And uh, it seems like we're making some big uh, gains there. This, especially in this election cycle, which a lot of our experts, the Dr. Peter Navarro's, Christina Bobbs, people like that who are really dialed into America First Politics say this is the first of, of three big election cycles that is eventually going to lead to a supermajority in both the House and the Senate. George, we want to get ahead of ourselves and, and make sure that we're, we're going to invite you back at some point between now and the general election. We'd like to get an update towards the uh, end of the summer, right before you hit the really big barnstorming season. And for our listenership who uh, enjoyed hearing what you have to say and want to know more, can you give us your campaign website and social medias?
14: Absolutely. george and that's george com. And you can find me at Santos4Congress on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook. Um, true social getter it's uh, i'm 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 everywhere uh and i will say this one thing before i let you guys go sure this this race is not only and and you're right this is one of three very major uh election cycles that will determine a super a super majority in both houses but this one i can tell you this much never in the history of the third congressional district of new york has a republican poll double digits ahead i've been holding my lead of 11 points over the democrats for now six consecutive weeks, and we're going into the seventh week, and the lead keeps increasing. Just yesterday, we saw another independent poll, 11 and a half points. We're going up in small increments, but the fact that we're 11 and a half points ahead of the presumptive winner of the Democratic primary, which I still think they have wrong on uh, Project uh, 538, is, is just showing you that this is a campaign that's been built for the people, by the people. It's not about politics, it's about you at home listening. And I, I, I look forward to having the awesome honor and responsibility to representing you in Congress.
3: No, it sounds like it's really resonating. Love and uh, you know, we'll be looking forward to having you back. This is the America first candidate looking to represent New York three in the November midterm elections. George Santos, thanks for jumping on steak for breakfast. Thank you guys, appreciate it. Excellent way to kick off the week, what do you think? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's always good sitting down with some of our great friends like Mr. Raheem Kassam and having those America First candidates coming in hot. We got an August 23rd election in New York, and it was good sitting down with George Santos for the first time. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear the other 158 Steak for Breakfast podcasts, you can find us across all downloadable podcasting platforms. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Pod Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds obviously go to our two great guests today, Mr. Raheem Kassam The National Pulse, George Santos running for a US house seat in New York 3. In addition to them, some of our internet friends, Hugh White Memes the Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, ultra dark Garbaggio now on Instagram, and Miss Christina Bob of Save America. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our partners because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again. Speaking of which, My Pillow. You like pillows? They'll take care of the sleep. You like coffee in the morning? They're going to take care of that, too. You a promo code steak at checkout, you get big, big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for all sleepy-related items. MyStore.com forward slash steak for all coffee-related. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and all things related to in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey, these are the best headphones I have ever worn in my life. And you got to go out there and make the investment. they are uh, got some in-studio recording equipment if you're looking to start a podcast or something like that. Power banks, speakers, etc. They're game changers. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready to get your holsters. If you want a picture of, uh, who do we got? To, well, Kamal Harris cackling mm. on the seat of the Senate. Can we do so, that one already? Probably. Well, how about Bernie Sanders grifting for... uh, Do a left-handed one. It's not going to make it. Don't put it on a conceal carry kydex holster and get those orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook as well. Man Rubs! Guys, you know what it's all about. It's the best seasoning tool you'll ever uh, use. You buy it, you shake it, you sprinkle it, you rub it, throw it in the cooking apparatus of your choice. At some point later in the day, you will take it out, pull it, add on sauce and maybe bread carrier of your favor. Insert it into your mouth. Nom, nom, nom. Delicious. Mm. ManRubs.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. He's got a pretty simple equation for all of your gun-related needs. Firearms, ammo, parts, and accessories. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone. 619 870 Mediocrematic for all our first responders. You're gonna like all the gear they have going on down there. You're gonna like their Instagram a little bit better. Mediocrematic.com is the website and the home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Don't you have a little chat with Marcho Friday? Dumpbox.us. Get in there. They're on Facebook and Instagram. Upcoming shows. We're gonna be back on Friday. We're gonna be doing a uh, Arizona-themed episode. Gubernatorial candidate, now turned nominee, Miss Carrie Lake. Carrie Zona will be here. In addition to her, we're going to be having Mark Fincham, Abe Hamaday, and the Senate nominee as well, Blake Masters. We'll come back next Tuesday with Christina Bob on the 16th. Looking down the road a little bit. We've got a lot of moving parts and guests getting ready to come in here, but uh, one we've locked up on the 26th of August. You're going to want to circle this one on your calendar. Geisha Montez will be in to do the news, and we're going to be doing an exclusive segment. With not only Mr. Cash Patel, Devin Nunes will be joining us as well. Oh, dang. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Friends of the week, let's see who we got. Early, uh, well, obviously, our little Twitch crew from True Social. We've got Silent Meme Geordie, John Hacker LA, Midnight Mitch, The Real Al Gorbachev, The Real Meme DeLorean, Right Wing Savages, Mostly Peaceful, Grand Old Memes. Anybody else? Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, thanks for remembering between now and Friday. Number one, do your own research. Very important. You want to know how much this. Uh, inflation reduction act is going to negatively uh, affect your family go and do your own research on it you could read the bill online number two start a podcast no you're editing remotely for the next two weeks so how's that working out for you we'll see thanks for leaving it all on me number three let's start talking about american greatness again what american greatness is not is the passing of this inflation reduction bullshit act we need to start talking about american greatness again and last but certainly not least let's see what happens This has been episode 159 of the Stake for Records podcast, and we'll be back on Friday with episode 160. We've got Carrie Lake, Mark Fincham, Abe Hamaday, and Blake Masters, the whole Arizona ticket coming in to do a victory lap. Hopefully, we'll have Antoinette as well, and who knows who else is going to show up. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah, later. Thanks for listening, and take care.
11: (laughs) In order to ensure the security
9: and continuing stability, the
11: Republic
9: will be reorganized into the first galactic empire
13: for a safe and secure society.
0: This is how liberty
12: dies, with thunderous applause.
13: What a stupid
12: son of a bitch.